Hello and welcome to No Poop Zones. I only said that because Alex was mocking me as I was speaking. Hello and welcome to No Refunds. Um, we are a nonsensical Wait, you, I like the way you said no refunds. That's uh, how I always say it. We I are a nonsensical <laughs> rambling podcast. We are. We are very weird. What was the last episode that we said that in? I said that recently, I think, as a joke. Um, but anyways, uh, I think it was like episode three or four. Uh, my name is Dwight and joining me this week is... Alex. Ryan. Tiffany. <laughs> I like that it's it's gonna be a fight to get it in now. Thank you, Brian. This is the, this is the best. Um, so this is our seventy fifth episode, and as everybody knows, uh, on our quarter episodes, we like to do uh, one of our favorite things. Um, we have done in the past movies, TV shows, and now we are doing per special request by Alexander over there. Uh, top five albums wait you said over there over there yeah we're actually ah! recording in person for the first time in over a year yeah oh um God. which is nuts and very cool uh, except for brian brian is still live via satellite um but it's uh is he in space yeah that's how it always goes oh. live via satellite is brian yeah Got it. Ground control to Major Brian. Yes. I am elsewhere. Sorry, I messed up the introductions. We didn't actually even read everybody off, did we? We did. No, everyone got there. We did. Yeah. Everyone got oh, there. Okay. We all got to speak. It was just, you know. All at once. Brian and I spoke at the same time, and then <laughs> Tiffany was like, oh, we're doing this? Tiffany. And yeah. Spencer's here, too. Yeah, and Spencer is Should here. I get him off of here? Nah, or? as long as he doesn't, like, do just watch what he's for, about to do. Watch out for those wires, Spencer. Yeah. He, oh, he got... Yeah, I did not like that. You got a bit of a static shock from yeah. that. Hey, pal. <laughs> Top five albums. <laughs> yeah, so we like, were trying to make this lean. <laughs> this was this was kind of my idea because I wanted something that we could all participate in. And I feel like everybody likes music, you know, to a certain degree. And I've always felt bad when we talk about video games with Tiffany because she kind of doesn't feel included. What are games? Exactly. So I didn't want to do top five video games immediately after doing TV shows. So I thought albums would be a fun one. And you guys seemed to agree. So we, that, that's how it came up. That's a cool story, Alex. Thanks. And then I found $5. I like that I can look at you. <laughs> wow. That's fair. I'm the only one who can see Brian, which is kind of cool because <laughs> I have my computer in front of me. Um, I don't want to see Brian. Yes, you do. He's looking so cute. Um, so we are going to just go ahead and get started. So we had called for people to send in, um, their top album as well. Um, so in between each of the numbers, uh, you are going to hear either an audio clip from them, or we might read an email. Uh, we got a pretty good amount. So this has uh, been super fun. So thank you very much for everyone who, who, uh, sent them in. So let's go ahead and get started with number five. I hate that so much. I don't know what else to do. I think I like. <laughs> I think I like that because I hate it. Okay, that yeah, that's, that makes perfect <laughs> yeah, sense. Like, I'm really into it because it's the worst. Yep, and uh, we are going in. An order in we order. picked. In, we are going in order. Thank you. <laughs> in, in order. A, in a nonsensical order. Nonsensical Ooh. ramblings yes. order. All right. Um, well, I guess I'll go first then. So, um, 
my the first album I want to talk about is Odessa. Um, so the actual album uh, is called In Return. Um, and something that kind of is a through line for the albums that I picked is a lot of them are more representative of like genres or types, like kind of types or, or classes of music, I guess, um, that I enjoy because, and these are some of my favorites that I've been listening to on repeat for either years or kind of in and out of my life. So that's kind of going to be the thing with mine. I wouldn't say they're in like a specific, like five, four, three, two, one order for me, but others I think are going to be doing that. Um, but Odessa, yeah, I mean, I, I mostly picked this just because it's sort of representative of electronic dance music. And it's in particular kind of in like the, the chill sort of vibey range of things. Um, uh, this particular album, I think came out like five years ago or more 2014. Uh, at this point. 2014. Thank you. Um, and it's sort of just been on my rotation of this type of music, especially when I need to focus for work or if I just need something to like kind of act as background noise or sort of drown out things so that I can like, you know, drive or get to things. So that's kind of why it's on here. Um, and in general, it's more representative of like, EDM type stuff that I've listened to for years. Like even back in college, I listened to all kinds of like techno and trance music and house music and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's <laughs> enough to, to talk about, but that's kind of why it's on here. <laughs> so I, I, when we originally put these lists together, I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to everyone's, everyone's albums and I'm going to like learn what, what it's all about. So I can talk about it. Your albums are the only ones I didn't listen to. And this <laughs> is arguably the one that was the most interesting to me because I really like EDM. I've always been into electronica. Like, like you talked about, like I listened to a lot of techno in high school and then I like transitioned into house music and then. I really got into EDM um, in the last like five to six years. And so when when you showed this playlist, I was like, who the hell is Odessa? First of all, never heard of it. And <laughs> yeah. then you were like, oh, it's Electronica. And I was like, oh my God, I need to listen to this. And I never did. Like what kind of EDM is this? Like, can you relate it to yeah. other artists maybe? Or That's a good question. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I can like pick specific artists to directly relate it to, but I would say that it is, it is bass heavy. It is slower than a lot of EDM. Uh, it's fairly chill. It's female vocalist and a lot of guest vocalists. So it's, I don't know. It's kind of like, I would describe it as sort of like vibey okay. music. So usually when it, this is hitting my playlist is just like, if I, if I want something like, to kind of space out to you or kind of just like have driving music that's consistent, you know? Um, and I don't mean like specifically car driving, but like, you know, something to like keep your mind moving in the right direction kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that's kind of how I would describe it. I would also kind of put this in the, in my category of like, this is when I started using Spotify a lot more. Yep. Um, and as a result, this, using this as a seed and others 
um, has driven kind of the discover playlist. So this more than most of the other albums on my list is representative of like what my Spotify discover list looks like. Um, and it overlaps. I mean, like in some ways it overlaps with some of the other bands that kind of I've listened to from others like Porter Robinson or like a little bit in the Maddion realm or like that kind of thing. So it's, I wouldn't compare it directly to those, um, but right. you know, uh, do you have like a, a top track or a, a top um, like song mm. lyric uh, drop beat that means a lot to you or you enjoy <laughs> from this album specifically? Yeah. Like I'm looking for a time code. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I agree. Um, I don't know. I I mean, I could try and pick one out if you're looking for one for editing later, but no, uh, I would say the two songs that kind of stick out to me are Sun Models and um, Say My Name. Um, Say My Name in particular, I have heard many remixes of that song, um, and most of them I have enjoyed. So, you know, part of the thing with like Odessa and I think EDM, like recent EDM anyway, well, not even recent, just EDM in general, is that you'll just hear consistent, like different mixes of songs. Um, and that is definitely one of them that I have seen from like many artists. Uh, so, you know, I would say those are kind of the two that, that I would point people to if like they weren't sure if they were going to be into this. So. I was really happy you put this on your list because I had adjacently heard of Odessa. i maybe i think there was a song that had radio play maybe um but i i listened like i scrubbed through like a couple songs because it was the one that caught my attention the most and i was like okay i can get into this so like i immediately added stuff to my like workout playlist because it's gonna it's like you're exactly right it's super super vibey that's like Mm -hmm. the best way to describe it it's just like you know i love it yeah it's sort of just like um slow head bob kind of music like you know yeah yeah nice uh at the beginning i also was like i'm gonna listen to everyone's (laughs) albums and i looked at tiffany's list and i've heard i you know spoiler alert tiffany and i have listened to a lot of the same music so i had already listened to four or five of them what i know right (laughs) strange you two know each other and i i I only ended up listening to one of your albums, Brian, uh, and it was not this one. So I unfortunately do not have much to to ask you about this. Um, oh, no, that's all right. I mean, I, part of this is like, I don't think we were really expected or yeah, expecting yeah. to listen to everybody else's albums. So it's more just like the discussion. And, and exactly. one thing, it's interesting that you asked about like lyrics or things like that, because that tells me a lot of, I think, what I'm missing about you're in Tiffany's albums is it like lyrics don't like I don't really listen to music for lyrics very often um if they have lyrics that I enjoy great but it's not something that like I explicitly search for in music uh and that'll be consistent with all the albums that I picked out here so yeah we'll we'll get into this in when I start talking about some of my stuff I 
am really bad with lyrics actually like i'm i'm more listening to like the rhythm and the cadence of how the singer is dealing with like into the song like you know, i like the way like they inflect their voice in this time or i like the way they like say these these like this string of words mm-hmm. um there have been many times that i have made like specifically back when we were like 18 19 20 i would make tiffany a mix cd that's mm-hmm. a thing look it up kids yep. um <laughs> i would make her a mix cd and i would be like i like this song a lot and she'd be like this is a song about like killing someone and breaking up with your girlfriend and your grandmother died in the same night right and i'd be like yeah, yeah. but it sounds so cool like i'm really bad with picking like extracting meaning from lyrics and so that's why i didn't know if there was something in here that like spoke to you in that way yeah that's exactly what i was just gonna say about lyrics <laughs> and dwight dwight and lyrics dwight and lyrics uh do not go well together <laughs> we don't go bad together but we don't go well yeah yeah i don't i mean there are good lyrics in some of the songs for certain um but i I would not point to that as the reason to listen to Odessa. Like, I mean, you know, if if you like the lyrics, great. But more so, it's 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 about the kind of like chill experience. Of yeah, it. I feel like EDM is one of those genres that it's not usually about the lyrics. I I, I would point to someone like Porter Robinson for somebody that is about the lyrics, but mm-hmm. most EDM, it's it's musicality. It's about the driving baseline and just wanting to listen to it the sick yeah the sick sure. drop yeah wub, having, wub, having the those wub, glow wubs. sticks in your hands and <laughs> how much it slaps yeah. Yeah. yeah this this to be clear this is not i would not classify this as like glow sticks. it's music. not this, it's definitely not no. or very slow glow sticks right yeah if you're gonna have glow sticks you're gonna need some kind of like you know downer drug (laughs) (laughs) i guess it's interesting to me because like i hear edm and that immediately conjures something very specific in my mind it's it's lasers glow sticks and like paint on body um (laughs) i would say picture this as like um edm that you would high school slow dance to awkwardly oh keep some room for jesus yeah that's interesting that you say that because i know you and I listen to punk pop and I think people would think that about punk pop, that it's all the same and it's not all the same. You have a very specific, like I think people conjure up a very specific thing in mind, especially early 2000s punk pop where it's like, oh, it's the emo kids. And it's like, yeah. mm, it's not just, so it's interesting well, when yeah. you have no, like when you have less knowledge of that music fan base or mm-hmm. like who listens to that music. It's, yeah, we're, yeah, we're more talking philosophy at this point. And I re- I'm sorry that we're sticking on this on yours, Brian, but um, <laughs> it's it's like we were at a, a restaurant last night, Tiffany and I, and like country music was playing. And Tiffany was like, yeah, I don't really like country music. And I was like, I don't either. But at the same time, I think that it's one of those because we both think it all sounds the same. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that the people mm-hmm. who listen to it would be like, fuck you. No, it doesn't. I think that you have to have sure. refine your palate in terms of your musical genres in order to be able to pick out that nuance. Like, oh, they're using a guitar that's tuned in drop D as opposed to a standard guitar like, for right. this one. And it's like they're are those like nuances and those differences or like you have to like listen to the mix and uh, the guitar is coming out in here or maybe the bass is really strong right now and i'm sure edm and other albums on this uh on people's playlists in this one all sound like one big long thump noise to me yep i'm sure they're not right and like it's hard to to pick that out unless you've listened to a bunch of the music i agree i like I wasn't listening to everybody's albums to critique them from my point of view. It was just to yeah. understand what we're going to be talking about in yeah. terms of like genre and and style. Not necessarily for me to be like, wow, I fucking hated this. Yeah, Which, see, that's the thing with like 
Dwight and Tiffany's picks, like, and we'll get into it, I'm sure, but I fully admit that, like, there is a gradient to the genre that I don't see. Like, it all, I don't know, it all looks and feels the same to me, but I know it's different, and I know there's a reason Mm -hmm. that you guys have, like, multiples of a what seems to me like the same genre um but yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be curious to get into it and like kind yeah. of see you know i think i think what, that's a what teases oh. those apart for you guys i think that's a good conversation to have over like the course of this episode yeah. because yeah like yeah. like talking about edm like like i love edm so i know the facets of it whereas you guys love pop punk <laughs> yeah. and you know the facets of it and True. it's gonna be interesting to continue this conversation over the course of the episode so brian odessa is that the name of the album or the artist Artist. uh the album is in return the artist is odessa cool and it came out in 2014 so speaking of pop punk and gradient no this actually nothing to do with it (laughs) moving over to tiffany for something that's not pop punk and now for something this is the most different album i think on this entire (laughs) this is a very very unique album so when I picked my albums, I picked a lot of punk pop albums and I have two albums on here, my five and four, that I enjoy the music a lot, but I pick them almost more um, because of nostalgia. Um, so me and music, I this is going to be a really hard episode for me to do. I might cry. I don't know. Music is really personal to me and I don't share a lot of my interest in music um i don't talk about it a lot other than with dwight so like dwight and i bonded over a shared love of music because we liked a lot of the same stuff which works but i don't really talk about my music and i always feel like self-conscious about like when people are in my car and i'm like oh this is what i'm playing and this is what i like it it just is weird so this is going to be like really interesting for me to like dissect this side note so my number five album is um 1997's Middle of Nowhere by a group called Hanson. Mbop. 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 So, um, Doop-a-dop, this album actually, I was just looking, it came out on January 1st, 1997. Whoa. So I was nine when this album came out, just about to turn 10. So Hanson is, um, they were kind of set up to be a one-hit wonder back in the day with Mbop, which was on this album, but they were three brothers um, from Oklahoma, I believe, Tulsa, if I'm remembering correctly. I'm pretty sure. I was pretty fanatical about Hanson. It was my first kind of introduction to fan culture and fandoms and and pandemonium around um, an artist. They're from Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's right. Um I had their their VHS that was Tulsa Tokyo in the middle of nowhere. It was like a yeah. It was like a little dock. Um but this was my first very first introduction to being part of a fandom. I was I had the t-shirts, my wall was covered in posters. I had the books. I would like record them when they were on late night um TV and all of this stuff. So this album is really important to me because it was kind of my first introduction to just listening to music. It was one of the first CDs, if not the first CD that I owned. I got it for Christmas, mm-hmm. um, which would have been Christmas 97. So it it's just a cool, it, it kind of sets up like my love of music or my interest in music because you can see where it has evolved. Um, 
and it's interesting because this is pop. So Umbop was a was a pop radio hit. Um, and they had one other song on here, Where's the Love? That was kind of a semi-radio hit. And then they disappeared from like the public eye and they had a bunch of other stuff um, that came out in later years. Um, but never really capturing like the the you know the the fame and craziness about this album. So I I went back and listened to this album, and it was actually Dwight that made a joke. It was a joke. I was like, oh yeah, you like you because you, you really like Hanson. Like <laughs> you've did. listened to their their later albums mm-hmm. as well, and I was like, yeah. oh yeah, we got Hanson. Throw Hanson on there, and I was here. We are talking about Hanson. <laughs> <laughs> so I went back and listened to this album, and uh, nostalgia aside, other than like. There's like two or three songs on here. I think for people that were writing songs when they were like 13 and younger, there's a lot of really great lyrics. There's a lot of really great music. I mean, these were kids that were playing their own instruments and doing their own vocals. And like, it was just these brothers in a band. Um, And like looking back on it now, that's really fucking cool. (laughs) Like, that's really cool. Um... It, it just, it it feels so strong. Like, I'm thinking of songs like, um, uh, where is it? A Minute Without You, which was kind of the, the older brother Isaac's, like, big, you know, so, not solo track, but, like, it was the one that, like, he was featured on a lot because his voice, he was the only one at the time who had gone through puberty. <laughs> so his voice was lower and his voice, so, and the other two brothers hadn't yet on this album. So it was, like, an interesting thing to, like, understand why that was happening as a child. Mm-hmm. Um like that song's really strong it it's very like almost indie rock it feels like and that's kind of where they ended up um songs like thinking of you um have that same kind of vibe like it's it it looking back at it now it it i it makes sense why i would kind of like indie rock and indie pop and that type of stuff like this feels like the start of it yeah um and some of their music now has gone very much in that direction and it it it's definitely something that i've continued to listen to even though i don't think that they're the nicest people (laughs) people people look back at hansen and they kind of like most people that i talk to if i mention hansen they're they kind of look down on it they're like oh they're that pop band from the 90s and i'm just like man i hate that they got that weird Mm -hmm. bad rap because of mbop because mbop's a very poppy song and is not really indicative of the entirety of the album which i had listened to a lot back when i was younger Mm -hmm. and it was really nice to get to revisit it because when i look back at it or when i think back at it i kind of associate hansen with like the boy band craze i think of like backstreet boys and nsync which is not really a proper comparison because this was like uh, right before that it was yeah. right in the middle of yeah. it because the Backstreet Boys' first album was 95. Okay. So it was like right in the middle. It was before I got into Backstreet Boys. So, but um, I would more compare this music to something like Savage Garden, which is mm-hmm. much more of an indie rock or yeah. alt, alt-rock kind of band where it was two guys who were playing their own mm-hmm. instruments, writing their own music, and it had that poppy vibe to it, but it's it has great lyrics. It has great mm-hmm. musicality. And listening to this as a 30-year-old, I was just like, this is really good. This is, like, really good. Out of of all the albums, like, I did actually manage to listen to to everyone's choices. Um, This one surprised me, like, 
the most mm-hmm. because I remember when this album came out, it was sort of the album that like middle school boys were not allowed to listen to. So like, you, you know, because that's the cool thing. Right. To do. Yeah. So it kind of got shit on with like uh, all the kids, like in my age group, at least mm-hmm. all the guys that I hung out with. So my sisters owned it and loved it and listened to it. And I just never did. So like visiting it now and listening through the yeah. whole thing, like I was like, Man, this album slaps an alarming amount for what this is. It really does. And that was my similar experience where, like, I have such fond memories of this album. And I was a kid and I still do this, you know, when I just not on a CD player. Like, I still come home and play music and, like, turn it up really loud and dance around. Like, I would, this is an album I'd put on in my room and just, like, dance around and sing and sing to it. Um, But I was, like, really surprised at how strong, like, again, thinking that these kids were what 11 i think i think zach hansen who's the drummer who is i think he was like nine or ten and like taylor was 12 like they were young they were under 15 years old um you know writing these songs and performing them like i think you have to take that into account like some of the the lyrics you know are very middle school-esque but they're (laughs) strong like uh, like there's a song called weird and and you know it reading the lyrics you're like okay isn't it weird isn't it strange and i'm like this is a really fucking deep ass song for kids to be thinking about this type of stuff like you know we all feel weird we all feel different they wrote a song about um their grandmother who passed away with you in your dreams and i thought that was like you know even at the time i was like wow that's really sad and like as an adult i'm like wow that is really impressive that like they were able to deal with their grief by writing a song (laughs) and performing it I'm like, that is amazing to me. Um, I just love this album so much. And I love like, it just, it feels like there's all different types of like songs on here. And I, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say the amount of genres Mm -hmm. that they hit is fascinating. Like they go through a little bit of funk. There's some soul in there. There's definitely folk music, pop music, rock, Southern rock even. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of like the song uh it's called look at you and it's like a it's on my workout playlist right now but it's like i feel like that was a song that like made me have like some weird sexual awakening like oh hey boys are cute and they sing about moo hey you're moving your body and i was like what so this album really I need to listen to the song right now <laughs> <laughs> not to be like weird about my it sexual awakening <laughs> but not to be weird about it but when you're like 10 and 11 and you're like listening to this stuff you're like wow this makes me like yeah. feel something yeah. like so uh, I, I don't really know what else to say about it. I've kind of hit some of the songs and talking about it, but this album is so not so nostalgic for me and I, I just I love it. Top song, lyric, um, <sighs> anything like that. Are you going to be the one to ask that every time? Same question. I love that. Um, I'll ask you when it's your album. Okay, thank you. I love as an adult, I love A Minute Without You. I think that is such a strong song on this album. Um, I love Look At You because it's just it's a Mm, it's a dirty banger. <laughs> that sounds gross. But cool. um, you should put it on the next and, time you um, and dirty banger. I I think I might have to go Where's the Love versus Mbop. I think Where's the Love was their other kind of single, and I think that song is really fun. It's really classic pop. It's really summery. Um and I really can't think of lyrics. There's there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of great stuff here. A lot Some, of great stuff. Sometimes uh, I think this is like an overarching thing when you're talking about a favorite album it's so hard to think of a lyric off of the album yeah. to yeah. be like this is the one because mm-hmm. 
and we'll talk about it more when it comes to my albums like lyrics is what i look for mm-hmm. when i'm when i'm listening to music cool. i'm like the opposite of dwight <laughs> so you're gonna ask me that and i'm just gonna be like all of them <laughs> very fair <laughs> cool yeah, tiffany so n- tiffany's number five hanson by middle of nowhere no middle Reverse of that <laughs> middle of nowhere by hanson i know you did that on purpose you 1997 yep. nice I will be going next, and the one that I think I'm going to put as my number five is Prepare the Preparations by a little band called Ludo. So um, the reason I picked this one as my number five is because it is the most recent album on my top five that I have gotten into. And um, the way I discovered Ludo in general is they are a very weird band. That's the way I kind of... Their songs are more stories and they tend to be a lot more um fanciful and kind of over the top and just a little bit like almost like power fantasies or just weird weird stuff um so i on we used to listen to pandora before i had spotify and um pandora if you didn't have the premium account or whatever would just kind of spit out songs based on a seed that you give them and it would just shuffle them and this one song came up called lake pontchartrain by ludo which is on their previous album and it blew me away because it is like just a a song about these guys on a road trip that uh end up at like pontchartrain and then like the lake starts to come alive and like it's like a horror song and it was like i'd never heard anything like that before and it was also a really fun sounding song with with guitars and like an actual band and all that type of stuff it was really nice um so i was really into it and then i found uh tiffany i believe actually got me for christmas or my birthday or whatever prepare the preparations on cd what's up do you remember that because i was so excited about it and i ordered it and Mm -hmm. you opened the fucking package yes and you spoiled it (laughs) but i still got it for my birthday i think it was or it was christmas and i've never forgiven you for it that's fair wow but so prepare the preparations is uh from 2010 uh it was the last album that ludo made that has this ever happened to anyone else where you find a band so i discovered ludo in like 2014 and i was like oh cool and i was like they have three albums and i went through and i listened to them all and then i, I found out like a couple months later that oh they they just broken up like they were done like so i got into them like way after they had like finished everything um which sucks but they're making new music again now and i'm very very excited anyways um Prayer the Preparations, the actual album. Uh, like I said, it's just a weird album. I just like, I love the um, eclecticness of, of the lyrics. I love the different styles that they have. Um, I think my favorite love song of all time is on this album. It is it is absolutely good, gorgeous, absolutely beautiful. Um, I found this album like a couple of months before Tiffany and I got married. And we've talked about this. If we were to get married again, or if we, if we were to do that now, um, the song specifically anything for you, it would have been our first dance song. It is a beautiful song. I absolutely adore it. Um, some of them are also just really weird. Like skeletons on parade is one of my favorite Halloween songs of all time. It is a, once again, it's a horror song about skeletons coming to life, uh, from a graveyard and going to a town and fucking killing everybody. Um, all the stars in Texas is a murder revenge song, um, about a Bonnie and Clyde style, uh, uh, pair. And it is like, uh, once again, it's like a weirdly like touching song, but um, 
he kills the girl's father in it at one point. Like it's it's ridiculous. Um, some of the 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 back half of the album kind of loses me a little bit. Um, like Rotten Town and Battle Cry and Safe in the Dark are fine but i really like overdone um overdone it's like a really really slow song that builds to this just like fucking cacophony and like it crescendos and it's so like you're just like screaming it by the end of it and it's so much fun to like lose yourself in that in that path um uh so i already talked about anything for you immediately after that is the song called manta rays which is like this weird dreamy ethereal like um, floating underground in a or underwater in a car and you tip your head and there's a city inside your brain and it's so fucking just like out there with the lyrics but at the same time it's like another weird love song that I absolutely adore um, the first two songs uh, are the first three songs actually I think are the weakest on the album um, or not the weakest but they're not they're more they're like the hardest on the album so it's a really strange switch uh too tired to wink cyborgs versus robots and whipped cream if you can tell they like weird silly things um i like this album it, i had a really hard time picking my albums in general just because i was like i don't know i don't care i don't like but this is one that i the reason i picked it is i found myself going back to it over and over and over again it's just so much fun i really enjoy it now please mm-hmm tear it to shreds I, I loved watching you struggle to pick your your final album specifically you had four albums on your list for so long and you were like i'm still trying to figure out my last one i'm still trying to figure it out and then you put this weird ass shit on there and i was just like <laughs> what is this i listened to maybe two songs off of it because once again you added it so much later than all the other because t- i listened to everything and i just never listened to the whole thing but it was so fun to see how different it was from the rest of the stuff you put on your oh, list. Yeah. Yeah. I still consider it pop punk personally, but that's so uh, interesting to me because I think of this when you started listening to this, um, and I think you have a say anything maybe album. Um, but this reminds me, I can it, right? see the connections between this and Max Bemis and his style of songwriting. Um, and then the only other thing I want to say is like, I, and I'll talk about this later, but like, I love, like, I'm, uh, Alex likes lyrics. You like Dwight, you like music stuff and, and the sound and Brian likes thumps and basses. And I love a lead singer's voice. I love, I love the, the way a person sings a song. Um, that's what I look for. And it's, is it Andrew Volpe? Is he the lead singer? Yes. That is the name of the the lead singer. His voice, his voice just does it for me. Like it is just, it is just this magical, very unique, weird, but still beautiful. So I, I also really love, really love Ludo. Except whipped cream. That song kind of weirds me out. I want it with whipped <laughs> cream on it. It's a weird song. I don't like it's whipped cream weird. that much either. Um, um, it is funny that that you talked about how weird the album is because like I did listen to the whole thing. And to me, it does sound like pop punk, even though I, I don't know that other people would classify it that way. Um, but with that said, I also like when I was writing notes about it to myself, I was like, this sounds almost like a humor album. Like it has like a comedy element to it. Like it's trying to be performative or like a stage performance. Um, And I wrote like, it has like a a Broadway-ish or like movie-ish quality where it's like, it's kind of like 
presenting something to you. And so I'm glad to hear when you were talking about it, that you talked about its sort of storytelling quality. Um, Cause I think you put it in better words than I did when I was listening to it. And that like that, if that's what you enjoy about it, like that totally rings true. Yeah. There's somebody like, who's never heard it. There's like know? a theatricality to it and almost yes. like an over the topness of like specifically, yeah. like I'm thinking of skeletons on parade. That one I think is like, if you were going to listen to a song from this one, I think Skeletons on Parade is the one to do because it's so fucking weird and it's telling this really elaborate, elaborate story. And like the song itself kind of shifts in and out of musical styles like three different times, like within itself, which is very weird. Um, but it's just like, yeah, it's like like you're saying, like almost like cinematic or like a play or it's just, I don't know. It's so over the top and I fucking love it. I, f- I feel like a lot of really weird bands, that's what you're listening for is what they're trying to tell like mm-hmm. someone like tenacious d like yeah. they, they have great musicality and they're telling ridiculous stories yeah. out of their asses and it's just so enjoyable so it's one of the reasons i love they might be giants and mm-hmm. i i know not a lot of people like them because they're really weird but <laughs> it, it's just it's great to be able to listen to a song and just be like man this is so weird but i'm i'm here for it yeah. Ludo themselves actually so this is their most refined album they have a, an EP called The Broken Bride and if you ever want to it's a concept album it's just like one like 30 minute rock opera about a guy who's traveling through time to try and save his wife from a car crash and he ends up fucking it up and goes back to the beginning of time and he's <laughs> like stuck in the primordial ooze and then has to go fight dragons and zombies and it's it's insane it's it's absolutely nuts uh, they made a stage play out of it um, which is really weird that's awesome um, so it's that's very so- cool that's uh, so funny because I was going to ask one of the questions I wrote down was are there any stage plays that are like pop punk inspired or whatever broken you know, bride like yes this type of genre um, yep. and that's super funny that you bring that up without me even prompting yeah, yeah and awesome. it, it's actually interesting if you go back I do not really recommend Ludo's first album um, I think it's just called Ludo self titled it's actually really funny though listening to that one and then prepare the preparations which is sorry um, Ludo uh, you're awful. I love you. And then prepare the preparations. Those three albums, you can see uh, them growing as songwriters in terms of like, there's this one song. Um, I think it's called like Saturday night Thunderbolt on their first one. And it's almost like cringy to listen to it. Now it's real. Or, um, I, fuck, I don't remember what's called, but it's like very like, neck beardy levels of like how i want to love you in terms of like i would fight a pirate for you i would do this i would do that i would do xyz and like as they get into like anything for you later on it's a much more like refined like uh true love as opposed to like a weird neck beardy lust which is how they really started and and that type of stuff when they were writing it in yeah exactly when they were writing it in like 2004 i think it was more commonplace and yeah it's just yeah with a full fisting up the butthole i was gonna actually say not i wasn't gonna say that but that made me think about it because when i think of ludo and i i had done the same thing um and went back and listened to it out of order after you started listening to it and i was like these songs are kind of there's there's a misogyny in here that i i i don't love but also andrew volpe i'd let you do whatever you want to me because your voice is so good so it's this weird and i think there's it's an issue with pop punk just in general and this isn't this is kind of on more indie rock that's how um spotify classifies it um but i think there's a problem with that where you have a lot of that type of songwriting especially in the early 2000s and girls just eating it up so it's just interesting because I also had that experience where I was like, 
<laughs> okay, this is um, this isn't this isn't great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Some of the lyrics, for example, in Saturday Thunderbolt is um, uh. Wait, say it? that again. Uh, you just Saturday. Sorry. Saturday Night Thunderbolt. Gotcha. Some of the lyrics from this album was, uh, "I'm in love with a girl in the other room, ten feet away, but I hit the moon with glare in the air. It's so easy to see she's got to marry someone, and it might be me." It's like that level of like, like yeah. weird lusty stuff. But then I don't know if you actually like like the lyrics in um, in anything for you are like this beautiful like um, they're fanciful at the same time because he's talking about like. Uh, if I if I've ever traveled to uh, I forget what they are. It's like something like going to the moon. He's like or, fight a witch and, and yeah. I'd... Anything for you. So this is to answer. So so. <clears throat> yes. Do you have a favorite song or lyric that really speaks to you on this album? Oh yeah. Okay. It is anything for you. Anything for you legitimately makes me cry. Okay. Um, when I listen to the song, it, it makes me cry. Um, anything for you is the one I would say. But the lyrics that do it for me are. Um, because he's he's what he's doing is he is singing about all these amazing fanciful yeah. things that he has done. Um, I have uh, I've walked a hundred million miles in a hundred pairs of shoes in search of some universal truth. Uh, well, a deity just came to me and handed me a scroll to read, and I will gladly pass it on to you. He's talking about all these amazing fanciful things that he's done, but he would give it up for this person that he loves. Mm-hmm. Um, he also talks about like my scars from a polar bear. That's the lyric that okay. fucking gets me. Okay. Is, uh, well, well, that my scars <laughs> from a polar bear, my curses from a witch. I've caught a giant squid in all the seven seas. I picked up rocks from distant moons. Astronomers will discover soon, but I would give them all back just for you. Like, yep. but the one that gets me is he's singing about like talking to these kings about like their their kingdoms, yeah. and the kings are talking about how amazing their kingdoms are. And then you can hear it. I'm I'm choking up. And, <laughs> I'm gonna and do when, this later. Don't worry. And when he like these kingdoms that these kings ha- have are fantastic and amazing, but when I describe you to the kings, it makes all of their wealth and their stuff look like fucking shit. Yeah. And it was just uh, it fucking gets me. You can hear it. I don't know. It's <laughs> that lyric. Is my favorite lyric, Alex. So there you go. You're welcome. I didn't think I'd have much to say about any of my things. Thanks for crying though first, because <laughs> when I get to my number one, I'm probably just gonna go <gasps> and just sob through it. So it's cool. Prepare the preparations, Ludo, 2010. Go check it out. <laughs> Alex, what's your favorite lyric from the song? <laughs> um just kidding. <laughs> no, no, you gotta wait. You gotta wait. Uh... So my number five. Oh, I hit the table. Sorry. He's so excited. Welcome to being back in physical form. <laughs> I've always been in physical form. <laughs> you haven't no, even you've been, seen my physical form. You've been zeros and ones for the last year to me. <laughs> yeah, maybe to you, but to me, I've been <laughs> physical the whole time. Um, <laughs> speaking of existential dread. Um, so my number five album is 1964's rubber soul by the beatles so my my album i was trying to find something when i was putting my list together i was trying to find something that really connected to my childhood and a lot of the albums that i went through they were fine but they were not very good albums like uh, there were Backstreet Boys albums and NSYNC albums and Chumbawamba and all this stuff that I like listened to Chumbawamba tub thumping the first album I ever bought on cassette tape fun fact but when I was going back I, I really found myself coming back to a lot of classic rock albums because my first introduction to music was really through my parents and it was them showing me the music that they loved growing up and a lot of these were greatest hits albums 
which I felt like I couldn't put on here because greatest hits just feels like cheating. So like I was looking at Billy Joel's greatest hits was something that I listened to constantly growing up because my mom's obsessed with Billy Joel Queens greatest hits, same thing, but with my dad. So like I had all these, but the one album, like one of the first albums I remember really listening to that was an actual album was rubber soul by the Beatles. And it was, it was always my mom's favorite Beatles album. So she never introduced the Beatles to me as uh, a greatest hits band. They, she gave me this, this record, but we actually listened to it on a turntable. I had those like big, big ass fucking honking headphones and I would sit there and I'd just listen to it. And I just remember being like, man, the Beatles are awesome. (laughs) And then as like, I started going through their entire like discography i realized that most of the songs on that album aren't even their hits like this is kind of like they're almost like a b-side album there are a couple hits on there but for the most part this is an album that flows really well for me as somebody that didn't get to experience it when it came out it flows really well because i have no preconceived notions of a bunch of hits off of the album like Things like Abbey Road and things like um, even Revolver. I'm just like, okay, I know like five of these songs are super famous. But when I look at, when I listen to Rubber Soul, nothing stands out to me because it all feels like a very cohesive and well put together album. And I I really love it. It it came from like their middle years, middle to early years of, of their work. So it doesn't have the same kind of... Um, non-polish that something like please please me or with the beatles has it it feels a little more polished it feels like they're moving in a direction that their career definitely moved in and they got really weird and experimental but this album i love it with all my heart um if we want to talk about greatest love songs of all time it's on this album in my opinion and it's in my life by the Beatles. Yep. Um, and yeah, so that that's why it's on my list. Cool. <laughs> Tiffany? I just um, was looking at the Spotify list and this album is 35 minutes. It's 14 songs and it's only 35 minutes. It is a short album. Yep. It is quick. Yeah, a, a lot of Beatles um, albums are that way. That Their songs tend to be really short and this kind of comes from a thing of the past mm-hmm. where to get radio play you had to be really short yeah. billy joel has a, yeah. an entire song about it where yeah. you got to cut it down if you want to make it on the radio and that's kind of what it was all about it was about making concise songs mm-hmm. that still when you put them all together had a fluidity to mm-hmm. them and an ebb and a flow and so uh, i'm not surprised by that but it, it also makes it really enjoyable to just sit down and just be like, I, I'm going to take 30 yeah. minutes and listen to this album. Yeah. Yeah. It, something that was nice for me about this was like, it, it felt sort of like, so I mostly know the Beatles through my parents as well. Um, and through their most popular yep. songs, you know, just the ones that you would hear on greatest hits or on the radio mm-hmm. or whatever, oldies all these stations, all that. So listening to a full album of it, it's not something I've really done. Um, so I loved having the excuse to go to go to this one and go through it. Um, and it definitely is 
I, I think it has some of the songs that like I remember most fondly because it's slightly before they get into the really weird <laughs> stuff that's kind of like, you know, drug inspired or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I was glad that you, uh, you threw this on there. Can I ask, was this representative of like Beatles in general, or did it have to fight for its spot with other classic bands other than Billy Joel? Or like- um, so my original list, if you guys remember, cause I put my list together first and I sent it to you guys and had you guys add your album so I could listen to them. And my original list actually had uh, The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars by David Bowie on it because that's an album that my dad introduced me to and I I have a lot of sentimentality for it. But um, I, I did have a lot of... I had like three or four classic rock albums that were on here that were... I, I have the same kind of sentimentality for it but this was like the first of them which is why it trumped them like mm-hmm. i think ziggy stardust is better i think goodbye yellow brick road by elton john is better i think you know a new world op or, or a new world record by elo is better these are albums that mm-hmm. my parents introduced me to at a young age and i loved who's next by the who but this was the first, which is why it holds a special place in my heart and something that I used to listen to with my mom and with my sister. We like all three of us love this album and we talk about it like even it to this really, day. It really does feel like the kind of album you could put on for almost anybody. Yeah. Like, yeah. So uh, that's that's why it made it on the list, mostly because of the fact that it felt like a connection to my family mm-hmm. and uh not necessarily my dad because he doesn't have a soft spot for this album specifically but he loves the beatles in general but my mom and my sister specifically so uh yeah we were a beach boys house oh we were we were also a beach boys house oh don't get me wrong for beach boys i couldn't even begin to think other than pet sounds pet sounds Pet Sounds is easily their best album yes but it was one that i didn't discover until later Mm -hmm. in my like it's not a good starting point for no. for the Beach Boys. It's because not representative it's, of all of their yeah. sounds. And so I I specifically remember an album of theirs that had like a coconut on the front that I listened to all the time. And it was the one with Kokomo on it. Mm-hmm. Who, who knows what, what it's called? I honestly don't know. <laughs> Probably Kokomo part two. Um, yeah. But I just remember the Beach Boys was another mm-hmm. one that we listened to. But I, yeah. this is the the one that I remember first. I mean, I... I am woefully ignorant of the Beatles outside of their hits. Mm-hmm. So like I'm looking at like this one, I'm like, I like Nowhere Man. I like the Drive Your Car song. <laughs> and like off the top of my head, I can't think of any of the others that I'm like, yes, I know what that I'm you sure know in my life. Do I? Yep. How's it go? There are places I remember. Yeah. That song. I do. I do know that song. That okay. song is great. It is a good song. That song is How much great. do I have to sing for us to get copyright? Yeah. That's what I was just about to ask. <laughs> On the Beatles. I think that's something fascinating about the Beatles is that like they have a whole bunch of songs that people like wouldn't know the title to yep. or yep. swear they've never heard before or yep. whatever. And like as soon as you hear like even a little bit of it, you will have heard that song somewhere in your life. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, in commercials, my like TV shows, movies, all kinds of stuff. Like, yeah. They just show up, you know. For me growing up, like my dad was the oldies guy. Like my mom was uh modern 
soft rock hits and my dad was oldies that was mm-hmm. all he listened to still is and so all of my musical um taste from that era is shaped around him mm-hmm. and he never really listens to albums though it was always whatever was on the yeah. radio Ooh. and it would be radio Talk while we were driving so it's whatever the hits of that time were and it's so weird going back and like listening to albums from that era because it's like just all these lost gems that like I've never yeah. heard of or even knew existed. And it's so strange because you're talking about um, how music was made back then. Like there are some bands that would release like three albums a year, mm-hmm. like with like <laughs> five, five to six songs, like, or maybe like, I don't know, 10 songs or whatever, but like they'd be like 20 to 30 minute long albums and they'd, re- they'd just, just shit them out really, really quickly. It was yeah. really interesting. Like the model of music back then. I think of like when I was buying um, some of the Bing Crosby albums for Christmas time and yeah. it was like, mm-hmm. Fuck! This guy has like seven thousand albums, and they're all—they yeah. all have different songs on them. Yeah. And it's so, I yeah. bought two different like Christmas single albums, eight tracks, or the yeah. or the smaller. Yeah. What are the small form um, EP? Right? Yeah, EP. EPs, but they're they're um, they're they're specifically called something because it's. I think it's just the size that they are. I think it's like eight four, inch or something like that, or 40, four inch, seven inch, forty fives, forty fives. Because it's the ro- it's the yeah. it's the rotation of oh, the yeah, that you yeah. set your your. Yeah. Uh, turntable too yeah it's just it's crazy to look back on a lot of bands from like the 50s Mm -hmm. 60s they had to put out albums consistently and frequently to stay relevant and to stay in the mind's eye because now we have the internet people can constantly talk Mm -hmm. about a band while they're in their downtime in between albums which could be five or six years yeah which is Mm -hmm. It's crazy, but you look back at these bands and it's just like, oh yeah, they were putting on an album every year for like twenty years, whatever. Yeah, and the, and the Beatles yeah, just were, to stay in the news cycle. And yeah. the Beatles were only active for a decade. Yeah, roughly. Like like yeah. from like sixty to seventy, more yeah. or less. Like which is not. And to think about them in general, just how their music evolved over only ten years. Like nowadays, we're on like subreddits looking at bands and like if a song that a, a band drops now is like slightly different from their old sound yeah. like five years ago people lose their fucking shit yeah and like to see what the beatles <laughs> so did yeah like is nuts like yeah. it's it's so cool that they were able to musically change as much as they did yeah. um sorry we're just talking about general beatles now uh rubber soul thumbs up <laughs> R- rubber soul great album F- favorite yeah. song uh or lyric or um or or specific drum hit that ringo did <laughs> ooh, ooh, drum hit um when, when he hits the hi-hat the, probably the third hit on uh, drive my car nice. is really it really speaks we call that speech. a ba-dum ch- um oh jesus christ why do i keep hitting the table when <laughs> i'm talking throw the table <laughs> It's because you're sitting in the corner and it's like so easy to just go, fuck um, it up. My favorite song, I, it, it has to be In My Life. I, I think it's one of the greatest yeah. love songs ever. I think yep. every time I listen to it, I get choked up a little bit. It's mm. it's something that, you, you know how everyone, when they first find love, they're like, oh, all the songs make sense. It's just, that's one of the ones that always reminds me of what love is supposed to be about. And how it's not just about romantic love it's about you know paternal love maternal love fraternal love it it, like you can love everyone everyone is you (laughs) i love you not with your fist (laughs) um i was gonna say with your with your butt butt but love but like everyone is important in your life but eventually 
all, almost everyone finds that one person that in the, in my life I love you most, and that's what the song's about, and it always gets me. In my life, I love me the most. Oh, I I love me the the least. <laughs> that's not true. Tiffany loves Spencer the most. It's true. That's, that is true. true. That is true. Followed by all the members of All Time Low, <laughs> then maybe Dwight. Spoiler alert, but yes. <laughs> Very cool. Huh. So, Rubber Soul, what year was it? 1964. Nice. Yeah, we were just talking about how they were only around for a decade, so that's yeah. right middle yeah. beginning. So, that that is easily the oldest album on, that made any of our lists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, I think the one that I had was the newest album on my list, if I'm not mistaken. So, you had the newest album of, In general? of the three or, of us okay. until Brian showed up and yeah. put two albums that came after you. Yeah. Cool. So, that was our top five of our five number five uh five for five so we have a couple of emails um, that we're going to be reading uh, in between we also have some audio files like i said that we're going to play so this first one that we are going to read uh the subject is this was so hard nice wow that's what she said nice (laughs) um so they say they write uh this was so hard and uh we so we did a top six because it somehow made us feel better so this is from <laughs> sounds about right this is from tiffany's friends uh steph and jess <laughs> i don't know if you want to speak to them or uh steph and jess are um my running friends and they are a lovely married couple and i love them so much they are beautiful they are beautiful people so steph's uh top six albums they did all their albums <laughs> they didn't even like do just a one so we got 12 <laughs> albums 12 albums again this, so we'll just chew this, through these this exactly this is, makes sense um steph's are nirvana unplugged in new york alanis morissette supposed former infatuation junkie janice joplin pearl pearl jam 10 stone temple pilots thank you and jefferson airplane uh surreal surrealistic pillow okay. i don't know any of those albums Nirvana's Unplugged in New York is one of my favorite albums. Probably, probably a top top five, fifteen. Oh, probably cool. a top fifteen. It is phenomenal. That's awesome. I don't know any of these. There's so. all. It's a very '90s jams. Mo- most playlist. of the most of the '90s or most of the Unplugged albums that they they did like was in like New MTV. York, MTV produced all of those albums. There's a bunch of them. They they still question mark do them. I know they did a Florence and the Machine one, like five or six years ago. That's the one where she's in like a library. Um, I don't know where it was recorded. I've only listened to the album version. Uh, are you thinking of the Tiny Desk concerts? <clears throat> Maybe. Yeah. But they they different. Did, they did a Florence From one, NPR. and like all of those MTV Unplugged albums are great. Nice. That's awesome. So that was Steph's top six, and this is Jess's top six. Sorry, what? All Time Low has an MTV Unplugged album. Oh, cool. I own it. <laughs> Just letting you know. Uh, do you own the record? Is it, is it vinyl? It's a or? CD. Oh. Um, hers are, I should probably have done this six to one, but whatever. Um, number one, Pearl Jam, 10. Number two, Tori Amos, Boys for Pele. Number three, River Wireless, We Are the Light. Number four, Fleetwood Mac, Rumors. Number five, Nirvana Unplugged in New York. And number six, rem automatic for the people Ooh, very cool i've heard of the um nirvana one and i've heard of the pearl jam one before the uh, the rem one is very good but it's not my favorite rem album i am like to say this makes so much sense to me <laughs> knowing them as people and i love I'm that sure, there's overlap i'm sure that i've heard like some or a bunch of them but question can we like get 
a list of these or like a playlist on Spotify and share it like absolutely on Discord yes. or whatever. Yeah, there will absolutely be a Spotify playlist. I was thinking we'll we'll use the one that we've been using and oh, add every and, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll we'll leave it at at the name. Yeah. It's called No Refunds yeah. Best Albums, and we'll just oh, add for some reason I thought it was called Episode Prep or something. No, <laughs> and we'll just add all the ones that people emailed in, and then we'll yeah. just share it with everybody on Discord. Yeah, that's Which an awesome cool. idea. All right, you guys are smart. You have all the good ideas. <laughs> that's why we're we make a podcast. Yeah, it's true. That's why. That's the reason. <laughs> Okay, so um, moving on now to our number four. Number four. four. Thank you. Yeah, can we record the dance? That dance was horrendous and horrific, and I don't want anyone to see it. See, I loved it because I hated it. That's what you said before. <laughs> I love Dwight because I hate him. I think I do too. I think that's why I stay. I think I quit. I don't know. I think Anyways. I hate him so much I love him. Hey, Brian. Yes. What's your... Number four album uh, of the door. My number four album is the self-titled album from the XX called XX. <laughs> um, so what do you so, like about the XX? So this album, Tiffany kind of talked a little bit about um, vocalists uh, and I think more than anything, this album represents kind of like one of my favorite sort of things to find in music vocalists. And that's like this sort of deep, both it, it represents two things. It's a, it's a deeper female voice, like a lower register female voice than normal. And it's two vocalists playing off each other. Um, and all of that is on top of a similar kind of vibey like electronic music mm -hmm. uh bass so like that that's kind of what this is uh, i would also describe this album as much fuckier than a lot of the other albums that i've put meaning like it is it is to my ears at least so many of the lyrics and the way they sing is so much sexier than a lot of the other ones and it's sadder so the there's it's there's this weird like funny like sad sexuality to it like there's it talks about relationship addiction and like it's kind of like the people trying to figure out problems in their relationships to some extent and like but also being very like lovey on each other and like struggling with that and i don't know there's a lot of great and it comes across more more than the lyrics in like the way they're singing too um and sort of the repetitiveness because there is a repetitiveness to the lyrics and it's like it's like they're getting stuck in a loop or a bad like whatever you know so there's this there's this quality to it that i really enjoy that when you hear the loops change it's sort of like you also sort of feel that in the way that they're you know, in what they're trying to express, if that makes sense. So that's some of the reasons that I love this album. The other big reason that I picked it for albums instead of just like individual songs or artists or anything is as soon as I hear the intro song and then anybody who's heard this intro song, uh, it puts you in the mood to like hear this album. You know what I mean? It's just like it 
immediately zones you in. Like, I don't know if anybody's familiar with the term magic circle, which is like kind of from the movie and game design realm, like media realm, where like the first few minutes of something, it if you can put somebody in the headspace to get ready to listen to the rest of it, um, it's sometimes, I forget who coined it, but it's referred to as like the magic circle. So you're putting somebody in the right mindset to then enjoy your art. And I think more than a lot of albums, this one does that very well. So yeah, yeah. I so that's kind of why I picked it. I definitely agree with that. I went through a phase where I was obsessed with this album, like right after it came out and I, like you said, like most of the time I hate songs that are just titled intro and are like 30 <laughs> seconds long, but yep. this, this album, you got to listen to it. You got to go all the way through. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what it sounds like. Cause I feel yeah. like, I feel like it. Int- it sounds like depressing and sexy. Hold like on. he, Hold he on. It, might be, it might be <laughs> islands might be the song that I know. Hold on. Um, the songs that would have been okay. No, I do know this. Um, Crystallize and Islands, I think, were the two big ones, and then Shelter, I think, got some radio play. If I remember, Islands was definitely the first um hit or whatever single that's the word I was looking for. I do know the intro, and now this is an album I think I didn't listen to anybody's albums other than Dwight's because I'd already heard them. <laughs> but this is, I think, an album I want to go back to now as an adult because my music tastes have changed so much. And this is definitely more in line with stuff I would listen to mm-hmm. now. And that intro, I think I had it on like a workout running playlist or something because it's very dark and like kind of driving and it's good music to zone out to i had definitely heard intro yeah without hearing the rest of the album and like i i yeah. really enjoyed it um this is the al- only album of yours brian that i listened to um and it was like a soft album like a lot of it like yep. felt really like i don't want to say like underspoken but it was just like really like gentle and really like um soft is i think the best description for it just like the the way that they were singing and like the the loudness of the music like i feel like intro comes in kind of like uh, intro feels like a banger to me actually yeah. like it, it feels like a really <laughs> like like a like a fuck yeah and then maybe i've only listened to the album once i maybe it's just more of like a soft decline but like i feel like because intro like kind of starts so loud and so like in your face like by the middle of it like it's just very like mellow and and it's the the tones is is a very gradual shift um yeah i i i enjoyed this album for the most part i thought you were gonna lose it dwight when brian said sad sexuality it was funny interesting terminology but like brian described it so perfectly and beautifully so like i want to laugh at it but i also understand that completely so it's a (laughs) it's a really good description i'm sad and sexual (laughs) yeah it's such a weird thing because there's this tension there's a tension there's like there is a definite melancholy Mm -hmm. to it um as you listen to it but also like the the gentleness that Dwight is talking about, like very clearly com- comes across in the way they're singing and the, and the way the music declines to some extent. And it's like, it, it is sensual. It's like, mm-hmm. it has this like caressing kind of quality to it that I, I definitely find attractive in other music too. Um, so, you know, it's something that's like, I, I've definitely stuck with a few times. I think I, I know we haven't really been recommending each other albums based off of what we've been talking about, <laughs> but 
take a combination of your first two albums, Brian, and there's an album that I want you to listen to. Um, it's called Calm True's Galactic Melt. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but it has a lot of the themes of what you're talking about here and like a lot of the electronica elements from Odessa that you talked about. Like it feels like, sure, like a combination of the two. Write it down somewhere and I'll I will. totally I will. <laughs> like, yeah. like um but yeah. There's, I'm trying to think of the other albums this makes me think of, and it, and it, they're not all in the same genre, but like Lana Del Rey kind of has like this deep vocal thing going on that I also really enjoyed, and I need to visit. I think she had a recent album that I need to go and visit. Um, so like that's one of them. Portish, Portishead, Port, Portishead. Yeah. I don't really know how to pronounce it. Like that's another one that kind of jumps to mind when I think of this. Like category of music that i get into um so yeah it's good yeah the the xx people describe it as like alt or indie rock but like it it feels like a weird weirdly specific subsect of it that i never associated with the other stuff that i listened to it felt (laughs) just enough in that genre that i listened to it but not enough in it that i ever was wanted to call it that like i never knew what to call it yeah because it has it does have this sort of indie quality where like any of the songs you could easily put to acoustics and just have sung by like two people on a stage with guitars you know what i mean so like yeah it it definitely has that kind of quality too yeah so that's my that's my number four pick uh same question If you had to pick, like, like what, what's your favorite um, song or lyric oh, or I moment see. from the album? Yeah, so the ones that get got radio play, like, are definitely attractive for different reasons. But the ones I would recommend to people um, to kind of, if they were going to just pick out a couple, would be Shelter and Intro. Uh, like, those are the two that I most often find myself, like, singularly revisiting because they get stuck in my head even if i haven't listened to the album so and i don't know if we talked about it but this was a 2009 album. no we did not we did not have the i was gonna ask when did it come out yeah cool xx xx 2009 2009 in 20xx <laughs> um oh my God. very cool so uh, that was brian's number four so we are then going to shift to tiffany's number four okay this is going, this is the one I think I have the least to say about, but I feel like once we get started, I'll probably like pull it out from like my brain. Um, so my number four is Something Corporate's North, which is from 2003. Um, I just briefly pulled up the Wikipedia and the whole idea of this album. So Something Corporate is a punk pop band. Um, you might better know. Um, the lead singer Andrew McMahon he had um, another band called Jack's Mannequin and now he's just a solo artist Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness Um, so this was their second album I believe I think they had an EP yeah this is technically their second album they had an EP leaving through and then leaving through the window and then North and they only had two albums okay okay so um, leaving through the window is like like a punk pop fucking master class um, but I didn't put it on here because I listened to it later and I love the songs, but it didn't have the same, like, I didn't have the same attachment to it, which sounds weird. I had an attachment to the individual songs, but not the album, which doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> it doesn't. Um, so 
I just looked on Wikipedia and that album was like a, it, they described it as like a summer album. And so North is like this very different, it's still in the punk pop realm, but it's very, very different. Jack's Manic or Jack's Manigan, something corporate rather relies a lot on piano. Andrew Mann has a, you know, he plays the piano and it's a very, very big part of um, something corporate's music. Like big, you know this way you've, you've seen them live. Absolutely. It's huge. So oh, this their live shows were so good. <sighs> Sorry. I only saw them as Jack's mannequin. Anyway, so this album North is supposed to be have more of like a quote unquote winter feel to it. But my experience with this album is entire this is a summer album for me. And the reason this album is on this list is because this this to me is so nostalgic of a specific time period. So when I was listening to it I like the songs and I enjoy the songs. And again, I have more attachment to the songs from Leaving Through the Window. These songs are fine and they're great, but it's the the time period of my life and like what it frames for me that is the reason this is on this album. So um, Dwight and I started dating in 2004 and I was just starting to get into punk pop. Um, you'll see some of these artists a little later. And... This album was in, I, I don't remember if you introduced me to this album or if Carissa did, but I remember Carissa burning me a ton. My cousin, Carissa. Hi. She was actually on the podcast. She was on Girl, uh, Ladies Night. Um, burned me a bunch of CDs and this was one of them. It was like uh, Blink-182 self-titled and Jimmy Eat World, um, Bleed American, I think was one of them. So this was like in this weird pocket of time where I was discovering all these new bands. And this album, I listened to the shit out of i would put it in my cd player at night i would fall asleep to this album like on repeat and that was um a really really cool thing for me so it's funny because i really know the the beginning of the album and i know the end of the album because i would fall asleep and then like wake up and like i had missed a bunch of the songs in the middle so like i don't (laughs) i don't actually know them as well um but this song just reminds me of when dwight and i started dating um specifically the song down which is just like this weird melancholy like you know let's get drunk and drive to the harbor i forget what the wish upon a star but yeah, yeah, do yeah, you yeah, know yeah, what yeah, stars yeah. are balls of fire so like this was before we started dating okay because i listened okay we're going we're going back in time this is i told you this there is all a, there was a time before you guys were dating this is all <laughs> coming before four this is all coming back to me it wasn't you that showed me this album it was carissa and this song in particular i remember one night this is when we were talking on aim and like we hadn't dated and we were flirting and it was really cute and Did my you mom aimed to the people oh, sorry aol instant messenger that are younger it was like the pre pre facebook messenger pre discord pre text yeah pre everything it was the shit it was so good. So <laughs> you'd, you're talk- leave, you'd leave up an away message and like tell people you weren't you know coming back, and there'd be song lyrics, and you'd have a profile, and it's all B bulking. So this song, the the song down, which is the third song on the on the album, was my mom like was like, hey, we're gonna go drive to the beach at night, which is a thing that we would do, and I played this song on repeat, and I was just like, oh, I wish this boy would like me. I wish that like uh, was I the uh, boy? Yeah. I don't. And for whatever reason, <laughs> I. I don't know why it's that song, but that song to me is just that song is just like that's the beginning of our relationship song, which is so funny because I know when we like I talked about this album, you were like, this is not their best album. I don't like this. 
it, it it's <laughs> i prefer leaving through the window mm-hmm. um i had a hard time connecting with the songs on this album because they they are very different very this, different. this is more representative of what i think andrew mcmahon wanted to be yeah um yeah. which is very representative of his music that he's still creating um that said, when I've re-listened to it in recent times, mm-hmm. it is, it's fucking amazing. I love it. It's really good. It, there's a lot of great lyrics and a lot of great themes. Um, like just, and it, I guess it does feel very wintry. It feels very cold. It feels very bleak versus like, you know, songs on Leaving Through the Window, which are like, you know, I woke up in a car and. Punk rock princess. Punk rock and... princess. And it's like, I kissed a drunk girl and you're like, just, you're hanging out, you're going to parties, you're doing crazy stuff. And this one just feels like. Like there's a song called Me and the Moon and it's about like this woman like shooting her husband, lover, person and like running away with their daughter. So that's going to be your future. I don't <laughs> see. I I didn't know that. Wow. Listen to the lyrics of that song. That's what that song. All I know is Me and the Moon, she said. Uh, it's, dun, 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 it's a song about soon they'll be coming to rush her away something oh, okay. la, 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 la. <laughs> I don't I can't do it without the song yeah. but it's like a, it, I'm pretty sure that's what that song's about and there's Fun. songs about like um, I don't know the other song that's really funny that like doesn't fit on this album is called 21 and Invincible oh, I got and, a story about that song and I can't listen to that so I can't it's a really great song but and now I just look at it and I'm like oh man to be 21 again and not be old and fucking like in your mid 30s so when I went to go see them in concert um they played that song I don't know if it was the first time they'd ever mm. played it but uh it, it was before North came out like when yes. I went to go see them in concert North hadn't come out yet and so that was in 2002 because the album came this album came out in 2003 um so maybe it was 2003 whatever but like they played 21 and invincible and so that's why i have such a deep connection to that song because i saw it live before it actually came out Mm -hmm. on a thing and in the moment the guy andrew mcmahon was like oh yeah i just turned 21 and i wrote this song so like think about that like i was probably this is what 2003 so what 16 like maybe like i was not that old so he's only like five years older than us four years older than us so it's like it was like this weird moment of being like the people who are writing music for me now are my age. It was really yeah. kind of cool. Um, and speaking of, so talking about like how pop punk mm-hmm. has like can have distinct flavors. Yes. Doing what something corporate does is one of the ways in which you can get a different sound from it, meaning bringing in a separate, a different type of instrument. So this time you have the piano that really adds that like classical layer to it almost or like there's like some really like punchy songs that they make like i would recommend like hurricane um that like incorporate the piano in such a good way there's another like yellow card uses like the violin yellow card yeah it's it's really cool things like that um also i think there's an error on spotify because this one says it was uh came out on january 1st 2003 which is not true because i just looked it up and it came out like in october so so hansen did not come out on january 1st so I don't know when it came out. Solid. So Spotify <laughs> is fucked. Um, I don't, but Spotify. I don't really have much to say about this album by way of like the songs. Because like I said, I'm not particularly like a, I'm attached to what this album means from like a period of time in my life, which is a theme that will come back. And it's something that like when I listen to it, it immediately puts me back in that headspace or, or makes me, you know, think very lovingly about that that time period. So cool. Yeah. Um, this was an interesting one to listen to for me, just because it has like, it does, I think it was one of the songs or one of the albums in 
that genre that I don't know very closely that did set itself apart a little bit mm-hmm. more, you know, like it, cause it felt like sort of a chill version of like pop punk or emo or yeah. whatever, yeah. but it also had this, like this, I, I wrote a note, <laughs> this is not the right way to describe it. I wrote a note saying it had sort of a, a Southern stank to it or like a folkiness to it okay. um, that kind of stands out. And like, I don't know the best way to describe that, but it like, it had like this, indie music type Mm -hmm. feel maybe um i wrote down that it made me feel like i was watching a scrubs montage or something like that like it has this like nostalgic feel to it that like i don't know it sort of stood out no i i was just gonna say i agree with that like it it just feels it feels comfy it feels uh, like almost like sad and and introspective i don't know there it definitely has a vibe that's that is is kind of leaning on that indie rock thing and again i'm like thinking of all this music and i'm like all right this it makes sense where my music listening trajectory has kind of landed because yeah. it's it's like like hansen it's kind of on the fringes of like indie rock and indie pop right. and i'm like okay i can see it I, th- I think what brian was saying like the fact that he he got to the it, it sounds like folky or indie rock and it's actually kind of what Dwight was saying, because Andrew McMahon in the wilderness yeah. kind of falls into yeah. that genre. So yeah. I didn't know Andrew McMahon was the lead singer of something oh, corporate. Yeah. I never listened yeah. to their music before. So I've listened to a ton of Andrew McMahon in the wilderness. <laughs> yep. So now that you're saying that, I'm I'm making that connection mm-hmm. in my head. I'm like, things are clicking. I'm like, oh, this album does kind of sound like yeah. really like early work of, yeah. of that band. The yeah. song Teenage Rockstars off of um, Painted Flowers or whatever his yeah. latest one is, is about his time in something yeah. corporate. Yeah. That That is crazy. Like it's weird for my head to yeah. connect those dots now. I'm just like, oh, oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> so when I was listening to it, I was, but the thing I wanted to say about it was when I was listening to it, it had this weird feeling for me, like something I should have heard before, but mm-hmm. none of it sounded familiar, but it sounded familiar at the yeah. same time. Like it sounded like the music that I should have been listening to grow growing up. And I know other people were listening to growing up because I was what a soft uh, junior in high school, junior in high school when this came out, sophomore in high school. No, Absolutely not. It was 2003. Sorry. Eighth grade. Yep. Okay. I was in eighth grade when this came out. Jesus Christ. I started <laughs> high school in 2004. I was in eighth grade when this came out and everyone else was listening to, you know, Bad Charlotte and uh, Good Charlotte. Bad Charlotte is okay. what I used to call them because gotcha. I hated them. Uh. Um, <laughs> and something corporate and yeah. like um, I saw that concert I was talking about. Good Charlotte was a headliner. Wow. <laughs> Not even kidding. And and everyone was listening to this and I never listened to it. But for some reason now I yeah. listen, I listen to that music and I'm like, oh, yeah, I know exactly when that came out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's my number four. I don't have anything else to say about it. Oh, you uh, Do you have a favorite song yeah. or lyric that speaks to you? So Same question. I love I think As You Sleep as an opener on this album is really fucking strong. Um I I I love the way I love the way that song. I just love that song. And again, I used to fall asleep to this song, so like that to me like when I hear that opening line cuz it's just like close your eyes and then it's like, you know, it goes into the music. It's it that to me is like bedtime sleepy music and and down down is fucking incredible i um i can't think of the lyric right now it's in that first verse um 
Uh, is that let's about, get drunk and drive no, to the harbor? Something about concrete, concrete castles, build your walls up, something. Uh, uh, free of hassle. Yeah. 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 I have an asshole. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> free of hassle. And... Oh. oh. <laughs> I thought you said free asshole, and I'm like, yeah, you are. I oh. really also love um, uh, Miss America. That's the, the album closer, and it's so it's, it starts so differently than it's it's ends so differently than it starts the album. And I think Miss America is a, it's I don't know I don't know why I like that song, but I do. So. I like the lyrics in that one of "I miss my Miss America." It's just <laughs> yeah. cute, and it reminds me of um, it reminds me of of Jack's mannequin stuff again. Like that that Miss America in particular, I think, is the song that most would would be like, oh, okay, I can see this now. So yeah, nice. So Tiffany's number four, North, some by something corporate, yep. two thousand and three. My number four is I'm pretty sure this is the one I want to go with. Is a little ditty by a band called Plus Forty Four, and the name of the album is When Your Heart Stops Beating. So Plus Forty Four, um, for some context, at uh, one point in 2004, uh, this this little band that you might have heard of called Blanc 182, Blink 182, um, they ended up breaking up, and there was a rift in the band, and the bassist and drummer Mark Hoppus and Travis Barker split off, and they formed a side project called Plus 44, and that is this album. They have they only released one album. It came out in 2006. And, uh, this is it. So the, the reason that I like this album is I'm just, a, I'm, as will come up later on in here, I'm a massive fan of Blink-182. I really, really enjoy them. Yes, Tiffany? You are? Yeah, we, we didn't talk about one of their albums on here before, did we? What? California, right? We, we reviewed California, yeah. the same episode, I think, that we reviewed, um, the, Harry Potter. The Cursed Child. <laughs> that was a garbage book. Um, so I really like Blink-182. So I am... Uh, Mar this album holds like a really cool uh, place in my heart uh, also because of what Tiffany was saying in terms of like I associate it with a specific time and that is like the beginning of college to me. Mm -hmm. This came out just after my freshman year and uh, I think it yeah it must have because I remember when the, the albums or the songs were leaking and everything um, and I, I just this one I think I also have the least amount to say about it. I just really like it. I love the lyricality. Uh, some of Mark Hoppus uh, I love the way that he writes songs, and I think some of his best writing is on this song, mm -hmm. um, on this album. Um, I love that they used a little bit more of electronica on this. Um, that was kind of what they were experimenting with, was more of electronic noise. Um, and Travis Barker is just one of the best drummers on the planet. That's not even a question. So he is fantastic on this album. Um, and I just, I just love... Love this album. I, I really don't have that much to say about it, unfortunately. Um, I really like the way it starts with uh, Lycanthrope. Um, but I think my favorite song... Sorry, go. Were you going to say something to me? You continue. I just have a pin. Okay. Um, I really enjoyed... Uh, I think 155 is the... is. Uh, I like the... Just the, the... It sounds so different from the rest of the album. It's like more of like a... Almost sounds like the ocean, but like an electronic ocean. Um, no, it isn't. Might be his best, the best writing ever. But I think "Baby Come On" is my absolute favorite song on this album. It's the second song. Um, I just love the descriptions and um, 
It's just really good. I don't know. I don't have much to say about this one, unfortunately. I really enjoy it, though. Alex. I have a pussy on my lap. Nice. <laughs> um, as somebody who listened to a lot of Blink-182 in my life, I have known about bands like Angels and Airwaves and Plus 44, who, which feel like spinoffs from the mm-hmm. the blink 182 brand and but i'd never listened to either of those bands before so getting to have an excuse to listen to plus 44 um was a treat for me because i was just like i i get it almost felt like getting to listen to new blink 182 when they were in their prime but like not at yeah. the same time and it was really fun for me and I, I you touched on what i wanted to talk about but like the weird electronica feel to it mm-hmm. feels very 2006 but also it sounds great like i i really really enjoyed this album it's probably other than one that we'll talk about later my favorite of the albums of yours that i listened to fair because it just it reminded me of something that i know that i love if that makes sense yeah, it does it reminded you of dwight Aww. no i Aww. we all hate dwight i thought we decided on that <laughs> i have a couple of things about this yes album. please so one this album also transports me back to a very specific day and a very specific time um <laughs> when the nintendo wii came out um the nintendo wii came out and that was a thing and we 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 slept at the Best Buy parking lot in line and all this stuff. And I was so fucking sick. I was so sick that day. I was so sick. And that night, we had a Plus 44 concert. And I remember being at that show and being so fucking sick. Because Dwight and I used to go, when we were in college, we went to shows a lot. Not as many not as many as like I think the average person does, but we, we went to a lot of shows. Yeah. We really did. Um. And this was when I remember going to and being so fucking sick. And it just, it's its solidified in my mind. Whenever you bring up Plus 44, I'm like, remember that time? Because it's just, it's so visceral in my mind. This album is really fucking good. Yeah. It, and now listening to it, having Mark Hoppus be part of um, Simple Creatures with Alex um, Gaskarth, it, you can see where where his marks kind of trajectory kind of went you, you i feel like you can you can hear it that interest in that electro yeah. pop type yeah. stuff in his non blink 182 work yeah. mm-hmm. he, he gets a little bit more electro experimental yeah um and so yeah. yeah simple creatures is also another good example of that um this this album is just comfort food for me mm-hmm. it's something i can put on and just like i every i love every song like there's no skips for me on this album it is just like a warm bath and I, it's for the longest time I, I used to have like a, I still do but I don't use it anymore but I have like an iPod which is what I would use when I was like mowing the lawn and for the longest time this and the Ludo <laughs> album were the only two albums on that uh, on that iPod so um, yeah this is a comfort food uh, album for me I don't know any of the songs on like I don't know any of the names of the songs on this album but um, when you when we bought it on vinyl and when we listened to it I was like oh Oh, oh, and every song that came on, I was like, oh, I this fucking song, yes. Um, I think Make You Smile might be my favorite. I don't know if you said that. I, I can't remember if that's when you... Is that the second one? Uh, Make You Smile is the second to last song. Then, no, I did not say that. Like, Make You Smile I like is also Make very good. Make You Smile. Um, I love When Your Heart Stops Beating. 
Baby Come On is really good. It's a really good album. It's a really solid album. I just got a notification that Sound Guy Gaming is live. No, It Isn't is also a very good song. That's like a song specifically about Mm -hmm. the breakup of Blink-182. It's really, really good. Um, Yeah, it's a great album. Which we'll uh, we'll come back later to. It's interesting. So like this album, I think almost unfairly i was a little bit fatigued <laughs> with um pop punk because it's not a genre i listen to a lot by the time i got to this one so i do want to revisit it but um the the thing that intrigued me about it was like in the back half basically from interlude on <clears throat> it, it was very refreshing like by comparison and i don't know if that was just like i got a second wind or if the music like changed because i only listened through it once but i really liked interlude and basically all the songs on from that point on um partly because there was also like a guest vocalist in there somewhere um on one of the songs that i really enjoyed that's on make you smile uh, okay yeah and um yeah so i i really dug like the the back half of this album in general um and i'll have to go and revisit the the front half to see if uh if I'm being unfair to it, but make, make you smile makes me a little bit wistful for what this album could have been actually, because the guest artist on that, her name is Carol Heller. And she was originally a member of the band. Like she was like a full member of the band, but once they moved away from a, like they moved even further away from the electronica sound, like she kind of like took a step back and was like, nah, I'm good. Um, so Mm -hmm. she was originally a part of it. So it would have been really cool to see the two, those two voices bouncing off each other in more than one song. Um, yeah. 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 Ah, cool. Yeah. So my number four plus 44, when your heart starts, stops foring, uh, 2004, no 2006. <laughs> when your heart stops foring. Yes. I don't oh, remember you saying that. It's called plus, the, the name of the band is plus 44 because that is the, uh, um, plus 44 in England is what you type or what you punch in on the telephone before you make a phone call. Mm-hmm. That's their international symbol or whatever. Right. And that's where they were first talked about the band. Oh. That's why it's called plus 44. That's cool. So Alex. Yes. What's your plus 44? What is my plus 44? I don't know what that means. Same question. <laughs> so my number four album. Oh, I get it. Plus 44. Number four. I, I get it. My number four album is a 1994 album by Jeff Buckley called Grace. Um, I think I've talked about Jeff Buckley on the podcast before. Yes. Because I want to say five or six years ago at this point, they released an album of unreleased, not completed recordings necessarily, but like B-sides that he was working on at the time of his death called You and I which I was really excited about because I've always loved this specific album. Um, it's actually his only studio album that he ever released. He was working on a studio album when he died, which got released as sketches. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. I can't remember the name of that, but they they released it as it was. Sketches for My Sweetheart, The Drunk. So the album was supposed to be called My Sweetheart, The Drunk. So they called it Sketches from My Sweetheart, The Drunk because it was incomplete and so they just released it as it was not considered an actual studio album of his the only one he has is grace so jeff buckley he is the son of famous folk singer tim buckley so he his father was always known for having a 
an incredibly wide range of vocals and then his his son kind of picked that up this this album is very folksy in its um eh, what's the word i'm looking for where it takes its inspiration in its inspiration but it is very much alternative rock as it was in the 90s and continued to be into the early 2000s and this album is phenomenal i i love every track i love the way it rises and falls it is it kind of the way um brian talked about the xx is kind of how i feel about this album it is incredibly depressing but also Mm -hmm. sexy in a way um i like i said this song has highs and and real lows where and i'm not talking about quality i'm talking about the way that the 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 tracks flow into each other there's one that is just like a rock song about living forever and then it goes into a song that is about you know uh breaking up and never seeing someone again it's just it flows really well his his voice is one of my favorite voices um yeah i like like i i i was introduced to this album by my father this is something that he introduced to me in high school i want to say because it's not quite the kind of music that you would share with somebody as a child because it doesn't track as well so he introduced to me it to me in high school, and I just remember listening to it and being like, "Holy shit, I have feelings!" And <laughs> it was it was really great to listen to, and like I I think he he gave it to me right after I broke up with my girlfriend. So a song like "Last Goodbye" was like really powerful for me, and but then you have songs like "Dream Brother" and "Eternal Life" and "Hallelujah," which is I think easily the best version of hallelujah that exists and Mm. the one that everyone should listen to listen to because the one on the shrek soundtrack sucks (laughs) i don't think i realized he covered that song yeah i didn't know that and i probably have heard it and never realized it i like the shrek one the shrek one's awful rufus wainwright sucks i think and have to re-listen well jeff buckley Um, we're Thumbs gonna up. re-listen to all of the versions of Hallelujah. Yeah, the, right this. now. Compare. Right now. <laughs> Let's compare. Leonard Cohen, great. Jeff Buckley, um, better. Rufus Wainwright, terrible. How do you feel about um, what's that fucking acapella group? Um, Pentatonix. Pentatonix. Uh, fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this album was really cool. Like, cause I. I had a weird experience going back and listening to this because I, I had listened to this back in college, I think, and loved it at the time. Um, and it sort of just fell off my radar. Like I didn't, I haven't revisited it or listened to it like more than a couple times back in college. Um, so going back to it, like immediately, as soon as like the first song starts playing, I was like, okay, I'm way in on this album. And you're totally right. Like the flow of the album was striking um, because the songs shift in variety quite a bit uh, and almost in genre a little bit. So like it goes all over the place from like soul to gospel to like Southern rock to 
alt rock blues like it's kind of like flows in between them and as a result it has this it like keeps picking up your ear over and over again like at least when i was listening to it um and even the emotional quality of the songs like there there are songs that feel like a relief from the last song (laughs) like Mm -hmm. like you'll hit songs and i i don't know that i could pick out specific ones you might be able to but like you'll listen to a song and, and feel like, Oh, I don't know if I can listen to more of this album. And then the next song will feel like a breath of fresh air. Like it's just relieving and it keeps carrying you through the rest of the album. Yeah. It, this one, uh, I definitely enjoyed for sure. I feel like this was always like the type of music that like, I felt like I should listen to, especially in college. And I just never got around to it. And I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by this. Like, I really, I feel like this would be, I'd have to be in the right headspace because I don't want to be sad. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, like I think, I think w- what Brian's talking about, like at the end of the album, you feel like you're just like, th- there's a song called Corpus Christi Carol, which mm-hmm. is a super depressing, super slow paced, low energy mm-hmm. song that is just basically him using his voice to carry a song mm-hmm. with very little guitar in it. And you get to the end of it and you're just like, holy shit. I like, I, I don't know if I can continue doing this. This is hurting. I need a hurt. break. This is hurting my soul. <laughs> and then the next song is called Eternal Life, which is this really upbeat jam, which is like probably one of the more rocky songs on the album. And you're just like, oh no, I'm into this again. Yeah. And it's just, that's kind of the whole album to a certain degree. When it wants to hit you hard, it hits you hard and then pulls you right back into it, which... I think is kind of what Jeff Buckley's like view on life was a lot of, of about he, you know, definitely struggled with depression and things like that. And I think it all comes through the album really well. I'm really curious. Cause like, just, I don't know anything. I've never listened to any Jeff Buckley, but I've been casually listening to Phoebe Bridgers and I don't know if you've ever listened to her, but her songs, it, what you're describing feels very similar to me. And I don't know, Brian, if you've ever listened to her either, but it's like, very 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 depressing very singer songwritery but then there are songs that are like fun and i go what yeah what Mm -hmm. and it 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 gives me that vibe where there's like a lot of emotion but then there's also a lot of like like kind of upbeat stuff so i don't i'd have to listen to i know i didn't listen to phoebe waller bridges like because you didn't i think i think somebody that is probably a little more mainstream but not quite the same vibe is kind of like florence and the machine where where it especially some of uh, some of her albums specifically it it really has the same flow and feel to it it's not quite as one-to-one but i think that would be the best comparison to give to somebody if they've never heard of jeff buckley um this is the album of yours that I wish I had listened to. Yeah. Because I think it's the one that I probably would have connected to the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so I should have. I, I Yeah, I think it's probably one of the most accessible ones on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of my albums are very similar and not for everyone. One of my albums is literally for everyone. And it's the next one I'm going to talk <laughs> about. And anyone who hasn't heard it is dead to me. Uh, and then there's this one. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Okay. I don't know the next one, so yes, we're good. you do. Shut up. <laughs> Prove it. Um, <laughs> cool. So, um, uh, same question. Um, favorite song is "Last Goodbye" because it was one that hit me at a like the opportune moment in my life 
I guess. And it's always, it's kind of an upbeat breakup song, which um, I've, I'm always kind of into. But if I had to pick a favorite lyric, it would probably be from Eternal Life, which the lyric is, uh, did you really think this bloody road would pave the way for you? Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Nice. It's a great album. 1994? 1994. Jeff Buckley, Grace. Grace. Cool. And that wraps up our number four albums. Number four. We are, here's the next email that we have written. Uh, this one is titled, My Favorite Album 75th Episode. Hi, guys. First off, congrats on the 75th episode. I know you from multiple platforms, but have never listened to the podcast. I should. I'm sorry. I will. But I wanted to send in my favorite album because it's not something you're going to know. I do hope you like it. Have a good one. Taz. P.S. I'm not a native speaker, so please forgive my Dutch accent. Whoa. I love so it. very cool. And Dutch I haven't, accent. I haven't listened it to really it It really came across in the email. <laughs> I was, All I know is Swedish. So. I was like, can you please play that now so I can hear this person's I accent? I can play it. Brian won't be able to oh, hear it. Fuck Brian. Um, Who cares what yeah, Brian can hear? Me. Hey, guys. So, favorite album. Yeah. When you asked me that question, I was like, of course, all time low. But then I was just going through my playlists and wondering what I could like always listen to. And I came down to something you might not know. It's from Monument to Masses. It's a band. They don't exist anymore. I found them on Spotify about six years ago. Um, also found out that it didn't exist back then unfortunately. Um, but yeah, there's this one album which I just love and it's so good. Um, I, it's Like I said, it's instrumental. They have fragments of um, people talking, um, but it fits the music so well, like it's give it gives it such a great energy. Um, the, al- the album I'm talking about is On Little Known Frequencies and yeah, it it, you have to listen to it in order. The songs take about uh, the average is about six minutes, but it's really good. And if you really want to get in the zone to just work and have something on which just gives you that drive, it's it's so good. So my recommendation is listen to it. It's a great album um, from Monument to Masses. Yeah, my favorite. The album's five songs in 35 minutes. Oh, you're looking at I'm looking at one that's eight songs in 51 yeah, minutes. Yeah, on, oh. on Little Known Frequencies. Oh, I thought, oh, it's on Little Known Frequencies, not their self-titled? Yeah. Yeah. I, I missed the... Why do this... I hear that and instantly know that's a Brian album? I was going to say, the way she described it, I was like, that's that's me. I got <laughs> yeah. go, to go listen to this at that's some point. Really cool. Holy shit. Really cool. Awesome. Thank you very much for the suggestion. I'm looking forward to listening to this. Yeah, me too. Great. For sure. I will also listen to it. Same. Can Expect somebody a few... else add it to the Spotify yeah. playlist? Yeah, it, everything will be added. Yeah. Well, don't worry. <laughs> so cool. So thank you very much, Taz. Uh, wonderful. And for not being a native English speaker, was, I, if yeah. you never said that, I would never would have been able yeah. to tell. I mean, I would have been able to tell that they're not, they're, they're from Europe somewhere yeah. because that very much sounded like yeah. a European accent, but I can never pin down where people are from in Europe because... 
I'm a fucking basic bitch American. Same. Um, but their accent very much reminded me of my um, sister-in-law who's Brazilian and she has a, like, she speaks perfect English, probably better than my brother <laughs> because my brother's an idiot, but she he still has a Brazilian accent and it comes through, but per- perfect. Awesome. English. No refunds international, baby. We are. Bozo bucks, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you very much. I so, love it. moving on, we are now at number three. Three, 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 three. Please keep. Is that good? Sugar. Choke on him. I said sugar water, not choke on him, but that works <laughs> no, no, too. I, I got it. It was a Men in Black reference. Thank you, Brian. It's one that you're famous for. Brian, speaking of Men in Black. <laughs> <laughs> I totally missed that. <laughs> Can you repeat? I just said you're famous for that Men in Black reference. And the joke is that you've never probably oh, really I have. said it before. Dwight said it more than me. Anyway. <laughs> so, Brian, speaking of Men in Black, is, is the soundtrack your number three album? It is mine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it is not, but uh, perhaps it was in the same era. When, in, when did Men in Black come out? <clears throat> 95? 6? I think it's 97. Oh, well, then, no, it's not. Maybe <laughs> 98, 99, 2000, 2001, 2002. Just, 2002. Fuck you, no. Uh, anyway, my my number three album is Demon Days by The Gorillaz. Um, this is... <laughs> this album is a little bit of a departure from most of the rest of my musical taste, and... I don't know what it is exactly about the gorillas, um, but I find them fascinating. And I think I think what it is is that their their albums feel more like social commentary than a lot of the music I listen to. And there is, I guess, there's sort of like a subset of my music that is social commentary or like philosophical commentary, maybe. Um, but yeah, this just feels like. It feels like um, they clearly have something to say about the world more than just their own experiences or whatever, Um, which I guess I find kind of unique to to them in within the music that I actually listen to. Um, This album in particular, like some of it is that it was popular kind of while I was growing up. So there's definitely a nostalgia factor to it. But also it has like a funkiness to it. And it's sort of the beginnings of like uh, my experiences with electronic music um, in general. Um, And it also introduced me to genres that like I would not have ever really considered before. So like, you know, it it dips into like rap and hip hop and that stuff a little bit like, you know, and so it kind of opened my, you know, (laughs) suburban New England uh, mind a little bit um to actually give this a chance when it came out and uh and really get into it so yeah yeah i i have loved gorillas since their first album came out and one of the things that i've always loved about them is the performative nature of their out the albums because Mm -hmm. we keep saying they gorillas is damon albarn it's it's literally just damon albarn and he writes all the music he performs all the music it's almost like um how early Foo fighters was just 
Dave Grohl, and then he put a, <laughs> put a band around it so he could tour, and then it ended up blowing up. But that Damon Albarn is such a genius musician when it comes down to it, and what he does with Gorillaz and with his solo work is he puts a piece of his soul into it and puts uh, a piece of the time into it. Like it, it almost feels like a time capsule to a certain degree where it's about something important and about a time period almost. And that's something that I've always loved about demon days. Yeah, for sure. I love that the gorillas are described as a virtual band yep. because like there are <laughs> technically four members of them, but uh, there's just uh the, who, what was the name you said? Damon Albarn. Damon Albarn. And I'm also seeing people saying that the artist, uh, Jamie Hewlett, has something to do with it. Yeah, I don't know so, what his um, uh, addition is. I think what it comes down to is Damon Albarn can't always play everything, especially during live and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So this was, I believe, a producer that ended up becoming part of the band by... Like, yeah, because he is credited as, as as writing necessity. every single song on yeah. um, Demon Days. But yeah. that you never know how much that actually means. Right. I'm 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 a big dum dum because I really confused this album with their debut album. Yeah. And I was like, I've listened to this album a whole bunch, and I haven't listened to Demon Days that much <laughs> yeah. actually. But so. like, if this isn't Clint Eastwood, this is Dirty Harry. Like, the, this this is feel good. Yeah, this is feel gooding. And the song that I love on this album that has been on my running playlist for fucking years is Dare. Yeah, mm-hmm. I fucking love that song so much. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that much about the gorillas other than Feel Good Inc. But like, Dare is fucking. It's a fucking jam. Yeah. The the interesting thing about this album is like, I think every time I listen to it, like a different song kind of <laughs> jumps out to me. Like like this that this most recent time when I was picking out the album, um, O Green World kind of jumped out to me, <laughs> and I was like, why that song? Like you know. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. There's definitely a quality to it, and like. Hatsune Miku can eat her, eat her heart out uh, here. I mean, this is like pre-Vocaloid and all that stuff. And it's, I think it's interesting that like sort of virtual bands, as Delight called it, uh, have become like a real thing. And I, I want, it makes me wonder if they were the first that did that or if there were ones before that. Like, I don't know if Alex, you know the history there, but. I have um, no idea. Yeah, it makes me really curious because this seemed like a really unique thing at the time. And now you kind of see like, virtual performers uh, like every so long. apparently according to this uh while the time coin while the term had not been coined yet alvin and the chipmunks is the first virtual band oh, oh yeah. interesting that makes sense okay oh, yeah. sure which I, yeah as soon as i said that i was like that makes perfect sense to yeah me. can i jump back to something brian you just said um that when you listened to it recently like a different song jumped out at you that mm-hmm. has been one of the coolest things about going back to old albums that i haven't listened to in a while and like either not remembering that a certain song was on there or going wait why didn't i love this song mm-hmm. <laughs> eight years ago or whatever and it's so interesting how over time you are either looking for different things or different lyrics strike you differently or you know uh you have more knowledge about a band's history or and it just ha- different songs strike you in different moments in different times and that is one of the coolest things about going back to old music i think mm-hmm. absolutely yeah yeah that's been a great thing uh, i was just going to ask uh, my same question is there any specific song in here that like jumps out at you or that like, i know you said um the the green one grabbed you this time is that your favorite or is that 
I like I said, I don't know that I have like a a favorite with this album. I mean, like I have a fondness for Dirty Harry, Feel Good Ink, and Dare because like those are the ones that got a lot of radio play. But um, like I said, when when I was revisiting this, Ogreen World reached out to me, and then um, Every Planet We Reach is Dead also jumped out to me. Um, so. I bet the next time I listen to it, it'll be different songs, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't really have any other questions. Me either. We're we're all terrible at asking questions, so when Brian's albums come up, <laughs> I feel bad. Who's your favorite yeah. member of the band? Ooh, good question. Um, the one... <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> who sings sometimes... <laughs> Yes. Anyway. I don't know how to answer that. I don't know how to answer that. I don't know the members of the band. Uh, that's 2D, according to this. I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know their names, but mine was always the um, bottom right-hand corner, back backwards cap. I think he's the black one. There, there's Noodle. There's... Hold on one second. I feel like we're... Th- we've are... Murdoch, Nichols, Russell Hobbs, and 2D. Tiffany, what's your number three? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say... <laughs> So no, that was yeah. that was. We don't have to harp on that. Demon Days by Gorillas, two thousand five. Perfect. Tiffany. Okay, get ready mm. for me to gush. Gross. For, for, no, well. That that sounded sexual. <laughs> I just want to say. Anyway, uh, for the next like five minutes. Okay. So. Gross. <laughs> um. I love the way my top three ended up working out because I think that they they kind of go into one another. Mm-hmm. Um, my number three is All Time Lows, So Wrong It's Right from 2007 with the deluxe edition coming out in 2008. Um, I like All Time Low. What? <laughs> what? I'm shocked. Like, Segment over. <laughs> yeah. I like All Time Low done. Um so this album is is it's interesting to me because so my I actually I don't know if I've ever really talked about this. So my experience with All Time Low comes from Newfound Glory. And that's how I found All Time Low. All Time Low is a punk pop band. Um is very much in the style of music that I was listening to at the time. And um they get their name from an uh, a lyric in a Newfound Glory song. And I randomly i think it was on like their wikipedia page and i was like uh, on the newfound glory wikipedia page and it was like oh you know how they do like the things where it's like other representations in media or mm-hmm. like other places and it was like oh pop punk punk band all time low gets their name from uh the song head on collision and i was like oh okay cool i'll check them out and then it just like i i i can't remember um like what I discovered first or what I heard first. And I actually didn't really listen to this entire album until much, much, much later. Um, It was just the individual songs, but this was my first introduction to All Time Low. So it holds such a soft spot in my heart and eventually, um, you know, them becoming such a big part of my life and, and, and such a big band for me. It like is cool to look back and go, remember when I just knew like those two songs? Um, So this album has... I think all of my favorite all-time low songs. Um, there's a song called The Beach, which was my ringtone. Um, there is uh, a song called Stay Awake. And actually, the the acoustic version of that song, I think, was the first one that I heard. 
And that's where, oh my God, I'm going to just be super nerdy. That's where I first really listened to Alex's voice and was like, I, I love this. Mm. What, who, who is this person? Who, who, I, and Dwight, and long before, because there was a time back when I was like, I don't know people in the band. I don't know people's names. I don't know where the fuck they're from. Because like, I didn't care. And, and I remember for so long being like, Dwight, the only band that I haven't seen that I really want to see is All Time Low. I love the singer. And that that is the thing that has always stuck out to me is his voice. Always. Um, and then going back to it as an adult um, and just I, I love the lyrics. I love the feel of it. It is so pop punk nostalgia for me. I mean, the guys are all the same age as us. You know, they're in their mid 30s. And it's like it makes so much sense as to why I would love this because they are a band that grew up with the bands that I loved in my early high school time. So like, why wouldn't I love their music? And it's just so cool to me to see now them evolve into what they are now. But just going back to this album to me is just, it's comfort food. It is just, it's comfy. It's familiar. It makes me think about being in college. Like it's just, every single song on here and again i never listened to this album like in its entirety when it when i first discovered it it was just like different songs and then realizing that they were all on the same album um i don't even know what else to say i just i just love and adore so many things about this album so (laughs) as somebody who has heard about all time low for what feels like my entire life yeah (laughs) but has never actually listened to them i was a little upset and a little excited because I've I've made a point of not listening to it as a way to just be like, Tiffany, I have no idea what you're talking about. You're insane. It's and fine. now you were required it's to. Fine. But now I was required to. So I put this on being like, I've never heard any song by this band. And like halfway through the album, Dear Maria Count Me In came on. Yep. And I'm like, I've heard that song like 3,000 times. I, like I yeah. knew all the words. I was like, <laughs> everyone knows. That I was song. like, this is all time low. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't yeah. know that. It's, it's their close. It's their big song. And I had yeah. listened to. I I ended up listening to the whole album and I'm like, this song slaps. Like this is a fucking banger. And Dear Maria or the whole oh, album. Yeah, like I was super into it, and I was just like, maybe I understand why Tiffany loves loves these people. And you know, I I had at that point I had already recorded an album with this guy Alex, or not an album, full, uh, a, a podcast with I was going what, to what's say his name Alex full, Ga- Gascarth. Gascarth, right? Full, full disclosure: the lead singer of this band has been on no refunds yeah, yeah. exactly ten episodes ago for a Nintendo sixty four episode. It was Alex Gascarth. Um, yeah. eleven yeah. episodes ago. Oh, that's right. Shit, that's right. Yeah, because yeah. this is seventy five. Right. Yeah. So, Fucking math so you genius. Can, you can understand why I was very sad that I wasn't part of that episode because, yeah. like, literally, when I think of all time low, like his voice is the is the thing that drew me in initially yeah. and and was the thing that kind of kept me interested um because his voice is super unique it's super unique and it is it is my favorite punk pop voice where other ones i sometimes feel the same um or they're like super weird uh, like newfound glory um and it's it's so fucking good it just is just yeah. ear candy it's fun yeah there there are some really great songs like i I love um, um, Stay Awake, Dreams Only Last for a Night. Like, I love the lyrics in that song. I love Let It Roll. Um, I I love Vegas and Pop and Champagne and Stay Awake. And, like, All Time Low is a band. And I'm not even joking when I say, like, I they have, like, maybe four or five songs that I go, eh. 
and and they're like I just adore every single thing that they put out. They have and like hundreds of songs too. Like they really do. Insane. And to to have a band that continues to to put that quality of of song out and that quality of album and you know they started when they were fucking 19 years old and and to continue doing that I think is really cool like we were talking about Hanson earlier and just being able to do that when you are a kid and to continue doing that is just it's really cool to me I I think there's just something fascinating about that that you start so young and then you keep doing it because you're good at it mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. this album was super interesting too because like this felt more upbeat to me than a lot of the other ones that yeah. um that got recommended and so it as a result, it's sort of like the notes I wrote to myself were just that it sounded like road trip music or yes. sing-along music. Yes. Like I can picture if you got into this album mm-hmm. uh, and you adored it, then sort of memorizing the songs or memorizing the lyrics <laughs> yeah. would be a lot of fun to sing along to, or like, especially at a live performance, something like that. Yeah. Um, and but, I'm not like uh, trying to like be like, Oh, they're the best. And they're my favorite. They legitimately, the reason that I think I love them so much was seeing them live and realizing how good they sound live and performing mm-hmm. these songs live. And that was the thing that I think there are so many bands that are so great. Um, but when you go to a show and the band sounds exactly like that album and you're like, Holy fuck. Like, I know there are singers that aren't as strong live, but like when you go to a fucking all time low show, like you are getting, you are getting like heart and soul like this band mm-hmm. and it really comes through. And I, again, I think that is why I've just stuck with them for so long because I just, I feel that they're the same age as me and it, I, I just, I just vibe with them so hard. Sorry. I heard a buzz. My, that was my watch. Yeah. It came through. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, it was my vibrator. I was, was going to ask. Cause so... she's been gushing for the last five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Um, a song that stood out to me was Remembering Sunday because oh. of the uh, the guest singer or whatever Juliet you want to call Sims. it. It's, um, yeah. Who is it? Juliet Sims, I think, or if she's from, yes. I don't remember where she's from. I, oh, wait, I know this. Juliet Sims from Automatic Love Letter, I Nailed think. Nailed it. Because, because of the live version, I know that. <laughs> Sorry. I know too much. And it, and it feels weird. It feels so weird talking about it, like just our trajectory over the last year and them knowing who we are and being involved. But it doesn't change how good I think they are, like legitimately. And and not in a fangirl way, not in a, oh, you're so, you're so cute. Like just in a legitimate, you are really fucking talented and you put out music that I continue to love. Yeah, but can I just say Alex Gaskoth is really attractive. They're all really fucking attractive. Yeah. All I will four say of it. them are very attractive. No, just it. just Alex Gaskoth. They're all, all of them. We'll uh, say it here and now. He's very, very attractive. I mean, it helps. It's like a fucking pop punk boy band. Because, like, again, I don't know. I don't know what any of these people look like. Who, why I'm going would... to tell all these people this. <laughs> can you tell them that? <laughs> I can. Yeah, can you just tell Alex that I'd really. So funny. I'm, I'm single and I'm ready to mingle. <laughs> okay. Just yeah. m- let them know. Put it out there. Will do. Um, but also tell him I'm straight and I just want to play Nintendo 64 <laughs> games with him. <laughs> Will do. But yeah, that's my number three. Um, just super fond memories of it. Like, I, I I think if I had to pick favorite songs, it would be on this album. It's it's definitely going to be Let It Roll, Six Feet, um, Stay Awake. The Beach aw- Was Your Ringtone. Stay Awake. It's not a favorite song. Uh, I, I legitimately liked it because I liked The Beach. So, um, Sorry. Yeah, Let It Roll, Six Feet, I think Vegas would be on there, and I think Stay Awake, and I think Pop and Champagne, 
it's like just, half, just name half, the whole album please half of the, half of the fucking album would be a song that i'd be like i have to listen to this you have yeah. to listen to this you have to. so yeah that's my number three i wasn't too weird was i no i like this album too big thumbs up from me i didn't know i didn't really have it, much to say yeah. about it so that was all time low so wrong, so wrong it's, it's right. right so wrong it's right 2004 seven seven seven, seven. thank you you don't have to stay. Okay, here we go. But I hope you do it anyway. So my number three is Say It Like You Mean It by the band The Starting Line. So when I first really got into pop punk music was freshman year of high school. Um, there was this person in uh, one of my classes who, I think in Spanish, who was super into blink 182 and i had liked blink 182 but but this guy was like crazy into it and blink 182 from like 1999 through the early 2000s were incredibly mainstream they were top of trl they were you know everybody knew who they were they were mm -hmm. selling out fucking arenas they were huge so that was kind of my introduction into the pop punk genre was blink um Starting Line is really the first band that I found that was tangential to Blink because I was real I was like just listening to Blink 182 like they had had I think three albums at that point or they several but I was listening to like Take Off Your Pants and Jacket I was listening to Enema and I was listening to their live album like over and over and over again like that was all I was listening to and then um, in another class I had someone burned me a CD that was like a mix CD with a bunch of people on it and one of the songs on that was um it was the best of me by the starting line and that was like the first band that i was like oh i might not just really like blink 182 <laughs> i might like this genre mm -hmm. it was it this was the album that opened up the doors for me for everything else in this musical style and also it's a fucking banger of an album it's so good the structure of this album uh, speaking of uh, your friend jack barricat um the structure of this album is beautiful up and go is like one of the best opening tracks period um i really like that some of their songs um uh, on all of their albums you find there's at least one song that's talking about like their relationship with their fan base uh and it's really funny hearing or nice hearing them talk about like that moment before we hit the stage i'm pacing and waiting anxiously like i just love hearing them talk about like their experience in it uh the lead singer in this band um kenny vasoli he was 15 when he joined the band holy shit um so which is also nuts i want to say he's like not that much older than us uh i can't see this just kidding he was 14 sorry um i take it back so like he was in this band like his whole life basically like you know what i mean so it's interesting to, and he's like the lead songwriter he's the lead singer he plays the bass uh he's fantastic um just this was like i said the album that really like opened up the doors for everything else for me um I, I just really really enjoy it that's all i really have to say about it is like this was my gateway to pop punk and it's just a quintessential pop punk album big thumbs up i loved it this is one of the albums that you shared with me uh when we started dating because i was just starting to get into punk pop and i really had only listened to newfound glory that was my kind of like entry into the like I, where everybody else was Blink-182. Mine was Newfound Glory. Um, mm -hmm. So then the, 
I don't specifically remember this album, but there was definitely that moment where I was like, oh, oh, there is other music that kind of sounds like this thing that I like. And, and it's starting line again. Kenny is another singer that like it's all about the lead singer for me. I'm such a basic bitch, but <laughs> it's true. It's it's true. But Kenny's another one that has a super unique voice and way of singing that just draws me in. And you are right. This album from start to finish is fucking banger after banger after banger. Yeah, I, I like the the concept and idea that this is everyone's second pop punk album. Like this is like what actually is make, makes you realize that you like the genre. Um, mm-hmm. I, don't know, I, I just really, really love it. What did uh, you and Brian think of it, Alex and Brian? Did you hate it? <clears throat> I don't know how to express my opinion positively. Wow, you didn't like it. <laughs> no, no, it, it has nothing to do with... I didn't feel negatively on it. I felt like it was a very generic pop punk album so i listened to it and i went this is exactly what i think of when i think of pop punk Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying it was in a bad or a good way it was just in a it blends into everything else that i've heard before so i couldn't speak to specific qualities of it if that makes sense i can perfectly see that um if you and this is like this might be like such a cop-out answer but like if you look into context is when this came out it came out in 2002 yeah this was one of like the first that was starting to ride that crescendo of like blink 182 and newfound glory like it was Mm -hmm. like green day even like this was one of those like first in that big wave of them so Mm -hmm. it you're saying it sounds like every other but at the time right it definitely didn't yeah that makes sense. it it was completely original it, it makes me really curious because like one of the things I wrote down for myself when I was listening to it was that it feels skateboardy um, yes. and more rhythmic than some of the other uh, pop punk selections that you had. Like it, it kind of felt like, um, I don't know, like I wonder if this, if this band made it onto one of the Tony Hawk pro skater. That's the question I was games. just going to ask. I don't yeah. think they did. Okay. Cause it, it has that same, like, vibe i guess is like it, it feels like skateboard culture during that time frame you know mm-hmm. um to me at least like and i don't know if that rings true for others but absolutely this is something you wear are you you listen to while wearing like long dicky shorts and like knee-high socks like mm-hmm. this is with your vans yes with vans on uh and your uh your atticus t-shirt like this is <laughs> what is an atticus t-shirt atticus was mark hoppus and uh, tom DeLong's clothing line it was like a I know, it was a little, I know those dead, finch. I know those like names. A dead it was a dead finch. It was yeah. a finch for like Atticus Finch. Oh. <sighs> um Starting Line is another one of those bands that evolved for me like um something corporate did into Jack's Mannequin and, and Andrew McMahon. Um this album and then uh Based on a True Story was their other album, and then Direction was their last. Yep. Like their evolution and their sound changed a lot. Because we saw them in concert a few times, which was really fucking awesome. Because um, I love Kenny, and and their their sound definitely got more polished and less punk poppy, mm-hmm. and more lyrically stronger and more like I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's it like it grew up like punk pop grown Absolutely. up. Absolutely, I, I would like to point you to if you 
Kenny after direction he like was he was kind of like kind of done with this style of music and you yeah. could see it as he was growing through through his music writing currently he he writes what's called new hula and you hula music it's like trippy hawaiian sounding songs yeah. i do not like them at all I, they're they're not for me um they are like smoke a joint and yeah. and and just get lost in noise like okay. not noise but like you know rhythmic sounds yep um not for me, but that's the style that direction kind of goes towards. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I really like. Yeah, I don't think line. I don't think direction goes in that way, but it's, it's starting to get. There. It definitely starts to get more. I remember that album coming out and being so excited because their the single was Island, and I was like, "Fuck yeah!" And then the rest of their album doesn't sound like that. But that album, that album was close to making my list because it was one I listened to the shit out of and was it just mm-hmm. loved. Um, because Starting Line is definitely one of those bands that they're, when I talk about my love of punk pop, like they're always on that list. Yeah, they, they and they did put on an amazing live show. I Of all the bands that I've put on my list, I've only seen, I only haven't seen one of them live, and that's because they had broken up by the yeah. time I got into them. Um, so yeah, that's part of the reason also why these are the albums that are on my list, because like I care enough about the band to go see them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty fascinating. Like, I, I don't know if uh, live music is a big thing for everyone else here, but like, it is not a big thing for me at all. Like, uh, it's not something I would ever look forward to. Like, it might be kind of fun to go to if somebody invited me, but like, I wouldn't go out of my way to do it unless like, it was unless I had a specific reason to right. like a limited time. Yeah. It, it is absolutely my favorite way to experience music. Brian, okay. same. Brian and I are in the same boat. Like I, I 100% have never seen any of the bands on my list live and I don't really mind that much. Like I, I don't know. I've been to some concerts. They've been good. But Man, when, when Andrew McMahon stood on top of his uh, piano, turned around and was playing it upside down while the songs were, oh, it was so fucking uh, cool. Yeah. It's just amazing. Like I love it. <laughs> just those experiences are so good. I'm gonna when, talk about that later. When the guitar oh and the violinist in yellow card did his backflips and then like <sighs> like on the, like a break backflip. It's just so cool. It's so good. So Dwight. Yes. Is there a favorite song or lyric uh, song lyric that speaks to you? Okay. Th- this is the most uh basic bitch answer because <laughs> and, and I'm not even kidding. Like in terms of like starting line, yep. this is the the basic bitch song, but it's best of me. Yeah. Best of me is my favorite song by them hands down it it, it was their closer it, it's like the the song and it was like i said that it was the song that was my gateway to everything else in this genre that i love mm-hmm. so tell me what you thought, thought about when you were gone and so alone the worst is over you can have the best of me we, it's so we good we got older but we're still young what tiffany's saying so best of me <laughs> Alex, same question. Oh, I'm sorry. So, uh, so, Alex, so, same question. So, so, What's your favorite on, starting line so, song? Say it like you mean it. 2002, the starting line. In that order. Number three for Alex. Number three for Alex. What's his number three? Who knows? We're going to find out right now. Five, 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 five. He really, he really, he really committed to that. Make it better. So better, better. my number three is probably going to sound really familiar to everyone that has listened to this podcast before because I've gotten we we talked about this especially earlier. like the last episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what 
two episodes ago. Who can yeah. who can't count now, oh, Alex? I I didn't say that. I know, but was, you were mean to me, and I didn't want to be mean to Brian, so I just had to turn I it did, to me. I didn't want to. I love the idea. Fuck you, Dwight. I love the idea of not wanting to be mean to Brian. So like, Brian says something mean, and we just go, "Fuck you, Alex." That's kind of what I do. To, it. That's kind of what I do to Corey. Like, I I want to be mean to other people, but I just do it to Corey because I'm the worst. Um. So I've talked about this album twice before on the podcast, once very recently because the band broke up and once was our first special episode, which was our top 10 movies. So this album is 2001's Discovery by Daft Punk. Um, You may remember that we talked about it on the movie episode because they made a movie to go along with the album called Interstellar 5555. And I I don't even know how to begin to talk about how much I love this album. It was it was an evolution in electronica that I never really saw coming because I've always been into electronic music. Like we talked about when um, Brian talked about Odessa, like when I was in middle school or even before that it was i was listening to house music i was listening to early daft punk which is very much french house music i was listening to techno like i played ddr all the time which is all just techno music and then this album came out and it was a fusion of electronica with pop music it was bringing electronic music to the forefront and saying hey we can be number one singles and like really um accessible songs to the public and still make the statements and have the emotionality that we had in the first place and they did this all while telling this extravagant story in a movie but let's not talk about the movie because um i'm gonna disconnect from that and just talk about the album there's a, there's a movie yeah it's called interstellar 5555 i already talked about it i've never heard of that before i fucking hate both of you <laughs> fuck mozart right or beethoven who gets shoved into a volcano I think it's mozart. yeah fuck him it sounds it sounds like an interesting movie it seems really inappropriate i don't actually. know if i'd ever watch it i hate both of you <laughs> Um, I have very specific memories about this album, which once again, I talked about it before I listened to this album and I, it was the first time I'd seen the movie the day that my girlfriend broke up with me, uh, freshman year of college. I was at my, in my friend's dorm room at MIT and he was like, Hey, do you like discovery by Daft Punk? And I'm like, yeah, that's that's a cool album. And he was like, D- have you seen the movie? And I was like, there's a movie? And he was like, yeah, I'm going to put this on for you. You continue crying. I'm going to go get some wings. And like he just left me with a bunch of water. And I was just like bawling my eyes out watching this phenomenal movie, listening to this phenomenal music. And I, I think it was the day that I really fell in love with the album because I had listened to it as a, you know, as a middle schooler just being like, this is cool. They'd play the songs at dances and yep. I'd be like, man, harder, better, faster, stronger. How good is that? But at that point was when I realized the emotional impact it had and how good it was as a whole and not as specific individual tracks. It's like 
I can't listen to One More Time now without it transitioning into aerodynamic. I, it, it's all one entity to me. And having something like that, uh, an immersive experience, it's not as common to happen anymore. A, a lot of albums are about like hitting you with the singles and having some, some nice songs on there. But this one, I can't listen to it out of order. I can't listen to it just one song. Like I start with one more time and I listen to it all the way through to too long. Like I never stop. Um, and that's why it's always stuck with me. It's just, it's so good. I like this album too. <laughs> yeah, it, it is funny. So when, when, um, Daft Punk did their breakup thing, I, I went and watched Interstellar and that was the first time I had seen it. Um, and I, I definitely loved it. And I had heard, I think I had heard every song on the album at some point or other. Um, but hearing them in order and with the context of the movie definitely changes it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like it, it adds kind of a lovely context to it. Um, the other thing that like kind of stood out to me about this album and I wonder like auto tuning, uh, I, I don't know when auto tuning started getting like really popular or like voc. I don't know what it, what exactly to call it. So what they use is called vocoders, which is yeah, different yeah, than yeah. different than auto tune. But but like it it uses that well. Yes, and it makes me wonder like because this was so popular, I feel like in that time frame, a whole bunch of people used it really poorly yep. afterwards. Yeah, and like it, it, it's funny listening to this album because like you know if you're listening to it with with an ear that's already tired of like the that generation or like that time period mm -hmm. like i can see why some people might bounce off of it but if you if you hear it like fresh like especially going back to it years later like i like now mm -hmm. um i was like oh hell yeah like i forgot how fucking good this stuff was like i find it interesting that both brian and you alex have brought up this this concept um are to me, albums are like music in general. I always listen to things in album order. It's mm -hmm. very rare that I listen to stuff out of order. Is that like a thing that like you have experienced or, or do a lot is listen to things out of order? Because I feel like something like this is so crucial to the experience of the album that you do listen to it in so in order. There are certain bands that I I never like like I talked about it when I talked about Rubber Soul. Like I've never listened to their albums in order because I'm I listen to their greatest hits or like when I listen to Queen, I'll just find a playlist and put it on shuffle. Like I, I never really mm -hmm. listen to their albums. Whereas there are certain bands now because I have an association with albums that I can't put on shuffle. But I know people out there like um, Mexico specifically to call call out somebody that's not on this podcast right now. But he never listens to albums in order. He almost exclusively listened back when we were in college. His iPod just put all songs on shuffle. Yeah. Never, never listened to an album. Just would, if an artist that he liked before released a new album, put it on there. It goes into the shuffle rotation. Yeah. Whenever it comes up, it comes up. And to me, wow, that's a that is absolutely a different way to experience music. And I don't think that's a bad thing. But I think you're missing. We've talked about artist intent before yes. between us, you and I, mm -hmm. and we've had arguments about it. But um you're missing part of the artist's intent and what went 
into what they did by writing it and putting it in the specific order and having things flow Mm -hmm. into each other. Like I've talked about flow on literally every album I've brought up and I think that's important. Yeah. I 100% agree because even like we're just to bring back like plus 44 like there's a song called fucking interlude like Mm -hmm. it specifically splits the album into two halves like you lose the intent in that sense of like this is this structure is meant to tell tell one story this side's most meant to tell another story. Yeah, Uh, I feel I feel personally attacked. I feel personally attacked that no one's personally attacking me because I never listen to albums. I mean, I'm I'm it's not never. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to do. I'm just saying that I I am. I have trouble doing it because of my associations mm-hmm. with certain albums. Like I'm I'm not saying I I am not saying I hate Mexico for doing that. I am. Are you saying you hate me for doing that? I'm just saying I hate Tiffany for doing that. No, I'm kidding. Dwight would get mad at me when I would put stuff on shuffle. He's like, why do you listen to it like that? I'm like, I don't know. I just like songs individually. Which which is very fair, but I feel like I'm saying like to you just lose, I don't know, something in my opinion, like and one of the best things about getting a a record player for us has been (laughs) being forced to listen to an album in the intended order. So uh, this is a sidetrack conversation but (laughs) b-side so you lose the intent but for me and and i'm gonna kind of you know justify my listening experience music is for me right i know and it's the same thing when you watch a movie and and watch a tv show or whatever read a book there's there's a hundred percent artist intent but for you the listener the viewer the watcher you also are getting meaning out of it so it and i'm not this is not an attack on anybody but this is just how i view it I it doesn't matter to me like I don't look at an album and go oh somebody put this together and they they thought about it in the song order I'm like I love this song right this song makes me feel good yes and that's how I experience music I I don't think too much about it yeah I think especially like because a lot of my introduction to musical experiences was both radio and mix CDs like burned mix CDs exactly what I was gonna say like part of my experience is actually just listening to playlists mm-hmm. that were catered. Yes. Um, but I, that said, there are definitely albums that have a quality to them that it's worthwhile yep. going out of your way to go yep. and listen to them, like in the order that it was built in. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like when it comes to shuffle or whatever, I think Pandora and Spotify, like the Spotify for, um, Discover playlist for me, and yep. the way Pandora. Uh, doesn't actually let you listen to the same artist. Um, yeah. Like those are the things that like kind of drove me towards just getting in the habit of putting something on shuffle mm-hmm. and just enjoying like whatever came up. Yep. Uh, also, fuck the artist's intent, especially Alex Gathcart. Wow! 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 Why you say that? Dwight, can you pass that message along? I will. I will. I'm going to send him that that, that text. (laughs) I I only say that because I I feel like he could take the joke. But yeah, Yeah, yeah. um, it's (laughs) and mostly because we know know each other so well. I wasn't on a podcast with him, so I wouldn't know. Right. Yeah. We we go way back to our N64 days. (laughs) Um, Everything that you and Brian have said, Tiffany. I'm talking to Tiffany because I've been seeing her in the room. Um, Everything that Tiffany and Brian are saying is 100% correct and 100% valid. I I absolutely agree. They're both fucking terribly wrong. And everything you're saying is valid about listening to songs I don't think they're terribly wrong. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's interesting how people experience it differently. Yeah. I think that there are 
kind of two schools of thought when it comes to it. It's uh, about like thinking about artist intent and then thinking about your own intent. And mm-hmm. and I I do understand, and I think most artists understand this. And it's the hoity-toity ones that are up their own ass yeah. that are like, if you don't listen to this exactly the yeah. way that I tell you, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ, you're aggressive. But like, <laughs> once you put your art out there, it's for other people. It's not for you. Yeah. And yeah. And if people want to listen to it on shuffle, go right ahead. But us right people, <laughs> if oh people want to add. Yeah. Um, but it's like, um, I'll talk about that later. Never mind. Talking about it later. I just think so much of the music I listened to, like when I was starting to listen to things that weren't boy bands, mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. in the form of a mix CD. Yeah. I had a, a friend that made me two mm. mix CDs in high school, and that's, we'll come back to that in a little bit. Yep. And then also when Dwight and I were dating, we he made me how many, 10 mix CDs that I still have. She and still it was, got them. But it was all in the form of mixes. It wasn't like, here's an album that I think you'd really love. Yep. It's, here's a, a, a an arrangement of songs that I think are really cool and I think you should hear. I, I remember what Bonnie and I would do is we would make each other mix CDs yeah. and then we'd come back to each other like a couple days later and I'd be like, hey, I really like this song. Do you have the album that I can listen to? And she would just be like, I really like this song. Do you have all of their music? And I'd just give it to <laughs> yeah. her and she just, put it on shuffle and yeah. I was just like I want to listen to an album and I think that that speaks to the yeah. the two different schools of thought Mine's that, yeah. yeah perfect so Interstellar 5555 uh, Discovery pretty good yeah uh, Interstellar 5555 is amazing uh, no, but Discovery you know, is it's so good fantastic um, and my favorite song same question my favorite song is Digital Love it is the third track on the album I believe uh, it is really good it's one of the more lyrical tracks on the album uh along with something about us which is later in the album but uh, digital love is just so good i really love it and i love the um, music video that goes along with it or the part of the movie movie. that goes along with it nice yeah so that was our number threes and i think that's where we're going to call it for today absolutely so once again, thank you very much for listening to this episode of No Refunds. This has been uh, three of our top five favorite albums. Um, thank you to the Hyper Potions for the song you were listening to. Hyper Potions didn't make anyone's top five albums. Interesting. Never um, listened to an album of theirs. No, they have albums. Yeah. They don't. Um, thank you they so just much. Have bleeps and bloops. And I love them all. <coughs> Choking. That means I'm lying. Um, thank you all so much for listening, and we will talk to you all next time. Is there anything else to say? Oh yeah, email us, norefunspodcast at gmail.com and check us out. Alex and Brian, uh, you should date them. Yes. Oh yeah, Bachelor. Yeah. Bye. 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 <laughs>